Hello, everybody. Welcome to Frame Trap, a show where we get to share our love of games and other things with each other and with you guys. It's a podcast. We're recording on Halloween. Yes. We're recording on Halloween. How cool is that? Uh, Everything is cool on Halloween. And I'm probably I'm probably with the masters of Halloween amongst these allies. I would say. I mean, there are a lot of allies that like Halloween. Ian's really good at Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. Ian is exceptional. (laughs) I know both of you love it, and by both of you. At the end there, I mean Brandon Jones. Hi. I love your uh, candy corn shirt. Is it candy zombie? Corn, it's, it's the candy corn zombie apocalypse. Okay. Yeah, excellent. When candy nice. corn goes blue, run for your lives. Nice. We got Michael Huber. What are you like, wa- rocking? Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal nice. Lecter. <laughs> Iconic <laughs> Halloween figure. <laughs> I'm your host, Ben Moore. I'm rocking uh, Red Dead Redemption, which isn't really Halloween. Oh, which has a dynamite undead night. It does. Expansion. There we go. There this is the first year in three years, I think, that I haven't gone back and replayed. Oh, wow. I love it. It's so great. It's only like five or six hours long if you really just hustle through the campaign. Will there be an undead nightmare, too? I hope so. <laughs> You're, yeah, uh, I don't know if it'll be the uh, the same theme, but yeah. But then we didn't get story for GTA yeah. Five, so they could be over that. It could be yeah. just a, some like online variant. Undead Nightmare was so good, though. Oh, it'd be a shame. Yeah. It would be a shame. Very funny. Uh, We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, before we get into it, this episode is going up later than normal. I, all of the allies have been busy. I was out of town, and we would we could have shot it and had it go up at its regular time, but then we wouldn't be able to talk about uh, a lot of the big releases in the way that we can talk about them now. Uh, so I'm excited about that. So apologies for the delay, and thank you for your understanding on that. However, before we get started with the big games of the fall, uh, because it's Halloween, because we're recording on Halloween, I have a question for you guys. I want to lob this one at you. Mm-hmm. All throughout your life, mm-hmm. what is your favorite Halloween costume that you've worn? Be it, you know, going trick-or-treating for a party, whatever it is. Do you have an answer, Michael Huber? Jason Voorhees. Jason Voorhees. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen you be Jason yeah. Voorhees. When was uh, this? In high school. Had a really good, had like the full, uh, like bodysuit thing he wears. I don't mm-hmm. know exactly what I'm, my mind's going blank right now. I don't know what it's called. It's like a tr- not, not a track suit, but like a just like a workman's like outfit, a workman's you know? like a workman's at a dock or yeah. a warehouse or something. Just that one piece zip up, like exactly. Had the workman's outfit, <laughs> the giant machete. <laughs> the hockey was mask. it a plastic machete or yeah, was it okay? Yeah, yeah. Just plastic, <laughs> just plastic. <laughs> But like splattered myself with blood, and then I had a, a fake arm, like a severed arm, oh, holding yeah. it. That I was holding. <laughs> yeah. So when was this again? High school. High school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And was it was this like a school Halloween day? Uh, no, it was just me and my friends. Oh, I was okay. like, dude, I want to be Jason. And they, your friends, probably knew of your love of Jason yeah. beforehand. Yeah. Did you freak anybody out on the streets or anything like that? I was pretty out of control in high school, so I would like <laughs> pretty out of control. I in would high walk school. at people with the machete. This like is Jason. the calm down, Hubert. Yeah. <laughs> it is. No, I believe it. it. I believe it. Wait. <laughs> the cool, collected, professional Hubert. I was just so distracted by that line. You said you were out of control in high school, yeah. <laughs> specifically as Jason. What were you? What were you doing? I would you, just like, walk at people. Really? Like trick or treaters. Just do like the Jason because you know he does the walk. Did they? I'm assuming they screamed at you. Only like rarely because it's Halloween. People know people they're like, ready. People expect the psychos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there was a lot of people were into it. Okay. Like ah, that's why he likes Halloween. It's the one day of the year he could be and himself. Were you, were you in Los Angeles at this point? Uh, no. At okay. Home. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, All right. Yeah. Brandon, how about you? I don't know, man? If, I would, I don't know if I'd do that in L.A. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, I got this question on Cup of Jones this morning, actually, oh, and I don't, I don't dipping. know because you know what, you know what has kind of messed with my whole I concept of costumes is cosplay. Sure. Is going to like Comic Con and and you know even like do you, you cosplay? Uh, no, but just seeing other people, oh, you know. Sure. So like when people are like, you know, what's the coolest thing you've ever worn? It's like I, I think my brain has erased all of them because they don't hold a candle to like some of the inc- incredible stuff that I've seen. Right. Even people that like run Disney marathons will like even their exercise equipment. I'm like, oh, nice. I see what you did there. Neat. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you put a thing together. Um, I, but I think one thing that I enjoyed because I, uh, I didn't group cosplay a lot as a kid. Like, uh, you know, it's you see, like, the kids in Stranger Things 2 dressing up as the Ghostbusters. Like, I never did that. And I always wanted to, like, selfishly cast, like, the entire rogues gallery amongst my friends. I'd be like, you get your oh. Penguin and your Riddler. And, like, yeah. they're all like, shut up, Jones. We're not doing that. Uh, oh. But um, but then I get married. And Amanda and I have done some co-op uh, costumes in the past. And those are always great. Yeah. And I think my fave of those, because we actually, like, built it from the ground up. We could have, like, bought them online. But I'm like, how many times am I going to wear it? Uh, so I actually, like, cut out fabric. Made the little communicator and built the season one next generation Riker costume, and she went as Troy. And the funny thing about the, her version of Troy was, I think this was only in the first season, maybe only in the first couple episodes. But Troy's wearing like a skirt; she, she looks like a cheerleader. You know, it was like their first like swing and a miss at like mm. what the women would wear in the yeah. Star Trek. And so, like very quickly, they're like, "Nope," and they just put all everybody just in like these big one pieces. So it was like their weird first. You know, they all look really kind of uncomfortable and flimsy. Right. And then by the time you get into the movies, they're like it's durable and have multiple layers to them and stuff. Right. But um, yeah, I was ha- I was happy. It, it's always fascinating when you have a series that's been going on that long. Yeah. How the things that stay the same and the things that change over time. Uh, having that big long look and it's cool what I really appreciate about both of you guys is like it's not like you're really into costumes and she's like alright I'll go along with it yeah, 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 yeah. it's like you're both equally that was her idea yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it'd be great to revisit awesome. down the road and like I'll grow a beard for it and we'll do like mm-hmm. older Riker older Troy do you do you two uh, beyond dressing up and having fun I mean do you have like Halloween traditions that you do uh, not really. We sadly don't have a lot of trick-or-treaters in our neighborhood, so oh. that's not, that's not better thing. We get, we get like four or five big groups, just like 10 kids all at once. And then, you know, um, I think in LA there's a lot of like traveling for trick-or-treating. I think people like load the kids up in the van and go to like a much better neighborhood or a neighborhood that's known for that. Gotcha. Um, but, uh, we're going to the good neighborhood kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> King but, size. Usually pretty chill. I think I, I think yeah. I kind of by the time we actually get to the day itself, I'm pretty exhausted just from all the craziness that happened that month. So like mm-hmm. a lot of my traditions happen like going up to leading up to actual Halloween. Uh, last but night, we, but just uh, just really quick, yeah. if you want to check it out, YouTube.com/slash/EasyAllies The thumbnail for when we played Bridge Crew has us on Halloween. She like nice. she like cropped us out and put it uh, with the logo in the background. So if you want to see what we looked like as Riker cool. and Troy. Uh, Last night you had Sophie dressed up in <laughs> she, she was yeah, she was wearing bat wings. Uh, do you normally dress up Sophie? Uh, uh, no, I think my uh, my mom loves dressing up the animals. Like oh, when okay. I was in college, like I'd always get like the Halloween card, and I could tell I was like, oh, here we go, and open it up, and like one's Frankenstein, and the other one's a ghost or something. And my mom always had a really good job of just like getting the the pets to take a picture, just kind of like hypnotizing them for at least ten seconds and getting them to like look at the camera dressed up in some crazy thing. So that was a gift from from mother, the bat wings. Gotcha. <laughs> Should I? Do you want to? Do we want to see more Sophie costumes? Yes. Is that a thing? I'm so torn because I never want the animal to be uncomfortable. Yeah. But yeah. it's adorable. Yeah. So I don't know. As it, long as Sophie seemed like she was not enjoying. No, that. Sophie yeah, seems fine, it. Yeah. and it wasn't like too, you know too elaborate yeah. too, which is nice. My uh, brother uh, dresses up the dog for Christmas, mm. so like the full like <laughs> elf Santa Santa costume, gotcha. and, like the hat, little little shoes on the paws. Yeah. Okay, nice. Uh, Brandon, yeah, you said you wanted to. 
have your friends do the rogues gallery. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're All right. friends. Yeah, Maybe we're we friends, could do like Jones. a group. Uh, sure. Collective. I don't want... We're probably giving the audience too many ideas, but maybe like maybe next Halloween we could all like yeah. team up. Don is two face. Don is two face. Don would be an, an amazing two face. Don would be Don amazing anything with the coin. Like. I could see Don being the Riddler. <laughs> yep, very very well. Don is Joker. Don is Joker. I see Don yeah. is all of them. Yeah. Don is Scarecrow. I don't want to play the types, but Damiani is Penguin. We need that to happen. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> you know. Like. I don't want to play the types, but yeah. Sorry. Uh, Penguin hype. Oh, oh man, Damiani Scarecrow with, like, would be fun. Damiani with the monocle and the, the umbrella. Killer Croc would be fun, too. All right. Uh, so my favorite costume for Halloween comes with a little bit of an embarrassing story up front. So as a kid, like, my mom would, like, freak out about dressing me for Halloween. Like, makeup, like, oh. done hair, the whole works. Like, I was Pinocchio. <laughs> I was Peter Pan. She would enter me in competitions for costumes. Wow. See if I have to, I'll have to see if I can get pictures of this. Yes. And like, it was always miserable. Like I always hated like getting dressed up in this whole like shebang. And so I remember, I think I was like in fourth grade and I was really into skateboarding. I was terrible at it, but I was really into skateboarding just be- because of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater was the catalyst for my interest in skateboarding. And I remember like, I wanted to be a skateboarder, but I wanted to be a Halloween skateboarder. And I like kind of struck out and I was like a zombie skateboarder. So I had like my Tony Hawk deck and like my helmet, my skateboarder helmet. And I had like a scar on my face. It was a super lame costume, but it felt like I was breaking free. It was like, no, I'm into this. I'm going to do this. Sick. Um, I just remember getting really excited about it. What's that? Liberating. Yeah, it was liberating. It was, cool. it was liberating as a kid. But uh, yeah, the costume itself was not great. <laughs> All right. Now that we're done with Halloween fun... We're going to move into the crazy. So many things are here. We've played a lot. We still have a lot left to play. Mm -hmm. But I think the game to start with, the game a lot of people are talking about, and rightfully so, is Super Mario Odyssey. Now, Huber, you've finished Super Mario Odyssey. Yes. Uh, I'm pretty... I feel like I'm decently far in it. Uh, I've got... I think I, I think I have around 270 worlds. I was just playing it before the show. I should Moons. know. Moons. What did I say? Worlds. 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 270 moons is what I've got. But you finished it. You've seen the credits. Yes. You're going to go back and do more. Uh, yes. This is a game that I think... Uh, Brandon, you've been part of this too. You've spoke very highly about how they've presented Mario Odyssey pre-release. Yeah. And so my question that I'm going to throw to you, Huber... Yeah. Because, uh, Jones, you haven't played Mario Odyssey yet. Not a moment. So you're just taking this all Not in. Not even downloaded. Uh, but you've played other stuff on this list. Uh, Hubert, mm-hmm. the Allies' enthusiasm for Mario Odyssey has been through the roof. Yeah. Some people would say too much. Did it live up to our pre-release enthusiasm? Yes. Why? Uh, it's just so smart. This okay. game is smart, and this game is easy to get lost in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the range of emotions... You're always having a good time in Mario Odyssey. Okay. So So the way it pulls you to different moons to discover things, like I feel smart when I play it Mm. because it does such a good, it's effortless in the way it teaches you the mechanics, in the way it gives you things that you end up using later down the line in interesting ways. Uh, It's just got such a nice, easy, relaxing flow. Mm. Uh, So you talked about it 
being smart and in making you feel smart. So in this game, you you have these kingdoms that you can explore. And uh, the kingdoms, I think, when you like pull up the map, a lot of times you're not like, oh, this isn't like huge. This isn't like incredibly expansive. But uh, the way that, that kingdom is like nestled within itself and all the yeah. different compartments it has, it can feel a little bit bigger than it actually is. But there are so many moons all over the place. I mean, you, you've got like 56 moons to collect here, 40 yeah. here, like... Every map, you're like, oh man, I've got I've got a lot of work to do. Uh, do you think it's it's too many moons? Uh, do, how do you think they place those moons? Like, what what makes you feel that this game is smart with its with its kingdoms? Uh, just like again, there's so many moons, mm-hmm. but it's you're getting them in so many different ways. It's absurd. Mm-hmm. It's like how many how many different mechanics? How many different things can I do to collect these? And it just never stops. You know, I have 300 something. And even though you're getting a lot per kingdom, it never feels repetitive. And I never feel like, Oh, I've already done this. Like, Oh, let me just get this one. No, it's always something new. Yeah. Like sometimes you'll fight a remixed boss or something, whatever. But like even, even a remixed boss has new moves and new mechanics. So, uh, (laughs) I love the arc that I feel pretty much every time I go into a kingdom. Mm -hmm. And so because there are so many moons to collect, I feel like when I start a kingdom, it's just kind of like a sugar rush. Yes. Like every few steps I take, it's like, oh, there's a moon. I got to (laughs) go. And I get it. And it's like you're getting like 10 moons in so quickly in a very yeah. fast period of time. Do you get booted out when you grab a moon or is it no. just moving no. on? Okay, great, great. No. Yeah. Stay. So it's not like tr- start stay. over? Okay. Yeah, so it's not like it's not like Sunshine. It's not like 64 yeah. where uh, you you get a moon. You stay in the world, which is very, nice. very good. Um, so, that you, I, yeah, you have what I would describe as kind of a sugar rush up front. And then with every kingdom that I've done so far, it feels like they're usually pointing you toward like a boss. Mm-hmm. Like, go get this. And you'll get what is a triple moon for beating the boss. So you'll get three moons in one, basically. Um, and then once you beat that boss, the kingdom opens up even further. And then by that point, usually I reach... So we go up, we have that sugar rush, we have the top of the arc where we kill the boss, and then we're going down. And I feel like when we're going down, it's not in a bad way, but the vibe completely changes where I'll get like... 50 to 60% of the moons and then the ones that I'm getting after that I really have to hunt for in kind of yeah. a clever way yep. and it's like no I've got to look around the environment like they're not just going to come to me anymore mm-hmm. I have to like have I been to that corner I've got to rush over there and the thing that I like is I feel like the purple coins incentivize this so well and those two ideas synergize with each other perfectly so Jones I don't know if you're familiar with this uh, you've got purple you've got a special currency that you can only get in each kingdom right and those are, it's purple something, whether it's snowflakes or leaves or whatever it is. Then you can go to Crazy Hat and you can buy new outfits yeah. and trinkets for the ship. And if you're anything like me, you want those new outfits. Yes. You see those and you're like, gotta have it. I gotta dress up Mario of, like this. Of these 5,000 images I've seen posted on Twitter, maybe two of them he's in his original outfit. Right. Like, it just, no, like people instantaneously were like, nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and there's there's a crazy amount of outfits, and some of them are cheap, but some of them are a little bit more expensive. Where like to get the 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 outfit and the hat, it's like forty five coins, and these coins are just like devilishly hidden. Like I, <laughs> there's only been one kingdom where I've gotten all the coins so far. Nice. Um, and by doing that, by going out and having that incentive to go and want to change, I think you're naturally 
checking out different areas and then finding moons by default. And the and the game also does a good job of training you. So it, it, it strikes this balance between, like, like you said, where there's a bunch of new mechanics and you mm. don't know what to expect. Uh, but I also, anytime I go into, like, a special challenge area, I'm like, I know there's two moons here. Yeah. The one just for, like, beating the special course and then a secret one. one. Yeah. And so I feel like they do that often enough that it's you kind of look out for those extra ones. And that's that's good conditioning mm-hmm. because the hidden one is usually just hidden enough to make it interesting. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know if you did the, uh, the like, bowling with the chain chops yes. in the Sand Kingdom. Yes. yes. That's super, super good. So fun. Uh, and what I also want to convey is that by changing, by removing the lives, I mean, lives haven't been a big deal in Mario, I would say, for a while. Like, for I haven't, so I haven't had to worry about, like, oh, man, I'm not going to be able to make it through this because yeah. of the amount of lives that I have right. in quite a while for a Mario game. And they get rid of that here. So you've got the, the coins. Yeah. So when you die, you lose a few coins, and it's not the big of a deal. Um, you can use those coins to... Uh, do different things in the world to buy outfits to buy a moon at the shop, but it's all relatively cheap. It's it's some really expensive ones later on. Then. Later on that I haven't some gotten to. Extremely expensive ones. Okay. Where like you better not die because you got to save up wow. your stash of coins. Okay, that's yeah. exciting. Because yeah. I would, yeah, I, would yeah, yeah. I feel like I would I say like I've played the majority of the games yeah. before. Like I've seen a lot of kingdoms mm-hmm. um, and gotten a lot of moons. Yeah. But, because uh, at least right now, I like that. When you have a world where it's like, all right, there's going to be stuff everywhere. Yeah. I like that that death is just a little bit of a pause. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's easy to to claim that it's, oh, it's too simple or, oh, it's too, it's not punishing enough. But I don't think a po- the point of a lot of this is to, like, beat you down. It's like, no, it. this is a scavenger hunt. Have fun yeah. trying to figure out our riddles and there are moments of of challenge yeah. you know some some there's some harder uh challenge uh portals you go in mm-hmm. or some of the boss fights later on are, are pretty hard and again some of those remixed ones right. are pretty difficult so there is challenge there but like you said it's the that balance of like progressing and beating your head against the wall you know it's it's it it's just so it's the the flow. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, I mean know? it's. I think when you really think about the the details of Mario Odyssey, I think you're just given so much choice in a way that you haven't been before. Mm-hmm. Like it's super easy in a lot of these kingdoms to just get the stars that you need to move on, and you can do that. But there's so much there. There's so much that if you don't want to do that, and just even something as simple as being able to choose exactly what Mario wears, it's just like. More so than any Mario game, I feel like Odyssey shapes itself around your mood. Mm. Like, I've been playing Mario Odyssey for, what, four days now? Yeah. There are some nights where I'm like, no, we're not leaving until we get as much as we possibly can. <laughs> and the nights where it's like, no, I'm fine with just beating the boss and move on. I feel yeah, like I just know. progressing. Yep. And it just how easily you can sink into both of those mindsets, I think, mm-hmm. is really, really cool. Totally. Uh Brandon, yeah. you are somebody that loves big open worlds. You yeah. love collecting stuff. There's a ton in this game. Oh, Does that sound doomed. like a blessing or a curse to you? No, that sounds like a blessing. And, and in fact, I think that's kind of 
how I want to approach this game is not. I I I hope I will be that casual side most of the time. <laughs> that like I'm not going to go in being like, all right, I'm going to put five hours in this game right now nonstop. Mm-hmm. But like, oh, I this this is like I, I imagine I'm going to beat that game, get credits before we discuss Goaties to get a good sense of this. Like, oh, okay, yeah, because I mean, like it's it's a point now where like this is a, a serious contender, and I and I want to see how it it uh, stacks up to a lot of the other games I've experienced this year. But like getting to 300 400 500 like i i would happily have that take months you know for me to just always kind of go sure. back and be like oh yeah let me boot up mario right now i got 20 minutes and run in and do something it's funny you say that because i feel like that's how you treated breath of the wild i feel yeah. like a lot of the allies finished it uh relatively quickly but you were like i'm gonna not just in poke a into rush at all no not in a rush at all and you really like played it a lot in handheld mode whenever you had a free minute it cr- and it seemed like yeah. you really enjoyed that experience. It cracked me up going into the final, the, like the big, the grand finale of Zelda with like the app, like my inventory maxed with healing items. And from the moment I stepped into the final castle to getting to Ganon, I used like one, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Like it was funny, like beating the game and getting credits, then going yeah. to my inventory and it was pretty much unscathed. Like <laughs> yeah. I don't even think a weapon broke when right. I was like in the end part there. I was just like, okay. But love that. I love being way over prepared yeah. for Evil Within we'll get to. It's just like yeah. way over leveled. <laughs> yeah. But uh, fun. Just because I've been on the road, I've been playing a lot in handheld mode, and I, as I said, you played Zelda a lot in handheld mode. There is one thing that is driving me absolutely nuts, mm. and maybe, maybe I'm overstating how annoying it is. But in Mario, uh, whether you're using the Pro Controller or the Joy Cons, there are certain actions that you can do by shaking the controller. Yeah. Either uh, having your hat uh, do a, like a circle or do like a homing attack. Um, or like there are certain things that you can possess where you get like a little bit extra out of them uh, if you shake it. And that's that's really like there have been moments where I've been playing Mario Odyssey in handheld mode and I'll be like, I'll sigh. I'll take the two Joy-Cons out the side. I'll set it on my lap, shake a little bit, and then uh, put them back in. And it honestly, it hasn't been constant, but it's just... It's a, it's a little bit frustrating that I feel like that mode is a little bit mm. compromised. It's, it's a little bit of that old Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a little of that Wii U era kind yeah. of what? Like, it is. You know, kind of not, not necessarily taking advantage of a fun thing because I think that's like what the whole rest of the game is. And I think it's so jarring. Or it sounds this way. Again, I have no experience with this. But like that is my major concern. If that wasn't brought up, I'd be like, here's the thing I'm nervous about is this mm-hmm. motion waggling I'm hearing that like is required for certain parts. Yeah. Um, in that so much other parts of the game seem like here's a fun idea that we had and we wanted to bring that to the game and and kind of shake up popular ideas of like how you control characters in a platformer. Right. Um, but they're all like you were saying optional. Like, you're, like I can absorb this world how I want to and have Having that stop point, you know, having that point where like, no, 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 now you have to completely change your gaming experience. Right. The more I think about it, I remember kind of laughing at the guys playing NBA live, like on the court, and being like, "All right, now we're gonna play the switch on our park bench." Yeah, being like, "Okay, like here's like I'm excited about this, but this is clearly like marketing, you know, nonsense." Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's like the major thing with the switch that is just totally bizarre to me. It's like why I on an airplane maybe or something, but just like very rarely am I gonna want to like flip that thing up, put it down, and play with the two controllers, like, to the side. Maybe people have, and I don't want to discourage you if that's, like, your favorite way to play the Switch, but mm-hmm. assuming that that's just a, 
a way you can play the console. Like, oh, everybody has styles, and that's one style. Like, that's a very rare occurrence that I'm going to pretty much on a plane. That's about it. You know? Right. <laughs> like, even on, like, a bus or something, it's like, I don't want things to fall over if, yeah, we hit no. it, if we stop at a stoplight. Like, yeah. I want that in my hands. You know? It's, like, only really when I got a flat surface and I can put that on there or showing something to somebody, which, again, like, maybe five minutes max. Um, I don't see I don't see us playing the way they think we are, and in this case, like, demanding we are. or. Right. Kind of like putting a speed bump in between you and that mode. Just if there was like some alternate way to do it, because I think what's so frustrating is 90% of the time it's like, no, this, I am getting super sucked into this. It's, it's almost as good as being in front of a TV. And it's just like, oh, this, this, (laughs) these few minor interactions are a little bit more of a pain. Uh, But you were talking about the, the freedom that you have with all the different ways that you can move. And I think that is absolutely a point to bring up with Mario Odyssey. And I think like, one of its strongest aspects is you think about Mario and even like kind of the even the more ambitious ones like I'm thinking about Galaxy where they they changed about how you're moving around with the environment and gravity and being in space and all that stuff with these planetoids in Mario Odyssey you're no longer really confined with power-ups because the thing about power-ups is it's like you have to think about where you're going to place them, and you have to think about the specific obstacles that you're getting through. And in Mario Odyssey, when you're possessing things, that happens. But I think just because it's like, because you can possess anything, like almost anything that would live in this world, your options are so much more ridiculous. Like, they're... When I put a hat on something, there's a level of excitement. Like, what all can this creature do? Yeah. Because you think about Mario power-ups, and it's like, all right, I can shoot. Because I'm Mario, I can make, like, something come out of my hands, or I can fly a little bit. But there's, like, there's a similarity between all of these. But now now I'm a creature. Yeah. Now I can, like, extend my body outwards and wrap around oh, things. Oh, God. Mario so cool. can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Mario, God. like, can't, like, make his legs, like, extend up into the sky. And so I think because of that, because you're, like, sort of becoming other living things, it's a lot more ridiculous and a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you would you agree with that? Here? Yeah, and there's just, you know, it, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, I have 300 moons and they've all felt so different. Yeah. Because you're all these weird, wacky creatures with entirely unique mechanics, so... Mm-hmm. I love being the creatures, and I love how that ties into progression. It's fantastic. Uh, I want to comment on the Metro Kingdom on New Donk City, and I don't want to ruin it for people, but the way... I feel like that kingdom kind of succeeds on every level for me, because in the beginning, it's a little bit more focused, uh, a little bit more like, hey, stop this big thing that's going on, and then you do it, and then you have a celebration, and then it opens up, and it's just one of, for me, one of the most enjoyable kingdoms to explore so far mm-hmm. because of how vertical it is. Yeah. You're flinging up on, up these tall buildings and going inside of them and doing all this stuff and, like, possessing taxis and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I think just on, like, how quickly one kingdom can feel so different and change so rapidly yeah. um, I thought was impressive. There is one thing, one feeling that I've gotten with Mario Odyssey that I kind of want to run by you, Huber, and I don't mm-hmm. know if you experienced it curious what you think about this too jones is because it's been so easy so far for me to kind of like get the required moons that i need to move on like you just sort of run into them i'll go that extra step a lot of times and go like no i'm gonna try to find as much as possible or try to find as much until i can't possibly stand anymore before i move on and so i'll do it i'll spend a long time on an individual kingdom Mm -hmm. and then i'll move on i'll go to the next kingdom i'll open up that list and be like man i just 
I just got 50 moons, and this kingdom seems really cool, but it's it's kind of exhausting that I've got another 50 moons. <laughs> um, and it, it, it's not that it's bad. I'm not trying to say that it's bad, but I just... It's almost like that that thing that I did, all that work I did, is just kind of like gone so quickly in a sense. Or it's like, nope, you gotta you gotta go into the fire once more. And obviously, like we just talked about, uh, you can just move on. You don't have to play mm-hmm. it that way. But it is sort of a weird sense. I, I try to think back to it with other Mario games, where um, like you had the Bowser door in Mario sixty four, right? And so like. Like, let's say you were 20 stars away from opening that Bowser door. Like, at least that extra work was going into that Mm -hmm. in a way. And so maybe that's why I didn't feel that feeling in the same way in, like, a Mario 64. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. And you will be... Your opinion will change when you beat the game. Okay. So that extra work in the end of the game will be well rewarded in the end of the game. Yes. Okay. And so I don't have to worry about that. And that feeling will completely go away. Completely gone. Don't sweat it. Yeah. Don't even sweat it. Oh, my. Awesome. Yeah. Huber, (laughs) we were kind of talking, you, Kyle, and I were were talking uh, last night, and I don't want you to spoil anything for our audience, but Mm -hmm. uh, you said that, that Mario, that Odyssey was missing something for you do you, do yeah. you still feel that way is, is there any way you can articulate that it's, it's so I, I slept on this too you know and it's it's tricky when you have a sequel to a franchise that you are so connected to you know this mario was the birth of my video game life mario super mario bros on nes that's where it all began uh one of my favorite franchises ever made you know just so much love there so when a sequel comes out and it does something different at the expense of taking away some familiarity and something that you love so much, mm-hmm. that initial feeling was like, well, you know, I, I always come back tomorrow for like this thing, right. you know, and <laughs> right. this thing isn't really there. So I'm like, I have a sense of loss, mm-hmm. you know, but I think that will go away like so quick because this game is so incredible and there's so many new and interesting ideas and so much variety that, you know, that first playthrough, I'm kind of looking for this thing. It's not there. Okay, get over it and move on. Now, you're just talking about things like areas or characters that have been in other Mario games yeah, that aren't like, here. like trademarks of the franchise, you know. Again, I don't want to spoil anything, but... It's funny you bring this up because I remember having a very similar sensation with Breath of the Wild. And I don't know if you guys had this as well because there was so much different and so much new in that game that when I got to the dungeons, I was like, oh man, like it's been however many hours and finally my first dungeon. Yeah. I can't wait for that. Those super elaborate Zelda dungeons. Yep. Then I remember burning through it very quickly and I was like, like huh, <laughs> that was kind of disappointing. That wasn't that wasn't as cool as I thought it was going to be. And then I, I remember having a very similar feeling with the other dungeons mm-hmm. and, and, and feeling that way you know yeah. having so many years of so many great zelda dungeons it was it was like this weird displacement having the dungeons be weak here but having everything else be so good and i remember yeah. in the moment kind of feeling bombs and i'm still bummed about it a little bit i still think it's a fair thing to criticize with breath of the wild but i think having more time to process it having more time to uh really think about it it's like yeah it was disappointing but man so much of that yes. game was good <laughs> 
And uh, I wonder if I yeah. personally will have a, a similar feeling here. I mean, I, I, I even go back to like Resident Evil 4, you know? When that came out, I was like, yeah. where the hell is Umbrella? Right, right. Where yeah, the yeah, hell yeah, are yeah. my zombies? Yeah. What the hell is this game? This game's a 10 out of 10 amazing, they, but yeah. what the hell? They, they crush your Umbrella dreams immediately. immediately. Like, and they, the fir- the, one of the first things they say in that yeah. opening cinematic is like, they're umbrella done, it's gone. gone, it's over. Yeah. yeah. Hubert, it's so it's like you you're, know you're waiting for it to come up at the end. It's all gonna be umbrella, and it's like yeah. not really. Yeah, umbrella's gone. Right? <laughs> so that initial, you know, but as time goes on, right, yeah. you you get over those things. Funny Huber story, <laughs> or I think it's funny. Uh, <laughs> before I met Huber, everyone I talked to, everyone just and myself included, an undying love of Resident Evil Four. Like just. Played it so much, loved it, talked about it, just gushed about how great it was. And I could tell that Hubert, like, Hubert told me that he, every day after school, he would, like, come home and play through Resident Evil 2. Yeah. Like, you were were more familiar with the Resident Evil lore and those early games than anyone I ever met. And I I was familiar with them. I'd played them, but, like, not, not, nowhere near, not even close to Hubert levels. Um, And I remember, like talking about Resident Evil 4 with you and it was really intense at first and it's kind of softened now where it'd bring up Resident Evil 4 and there'd be like a Dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde yeah. where he'd be like it was the beginning of the end man yeah. but it's still good yeah. but it was the beginning of the end man yeah. and there was just we were, like this bitterness because yeah. well because because four led to six right I think that's true yeah, yeah. yeah. so like now we have seven you know mm-hmm. again four is a masterpiece 10 out of 10 so it's all water under the bridge. No. The story in four is extremely stupid. <laughs> it is. It is extremely stupid. Well, like, oh, that all ties back too with like Wesker. And yeah, Spargus. yeah. I mean, this is like a super soft defense, but I thought it was a fun stupid. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Salazar well, is a fun stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even like some, I, there's there, there's not a person in Resident Evil Four that resonated with me in any sure. way whatsoever. <laughs> there's not a conversation that I was like, ooh, fascinating. Like yeah. every time a character shows up out of nowhere, it's like, where have you been? <laughs> what are you? Do- what are you doing here? You know, like the guy who the, with the Best, who I want to call him Sebastian. Sal- within, but no, like, your friend, you know, Luis. the guy, Luis. Yeah. What is he doing? I forgot, what I is forgot he that Luis was in that game. Doing? Yeah. Look, when you're d- going through that game, <laughs> yeah. what in the hell is he doing? Like, yeah. it, it's just, yeah, it's this weird Does kind it? of like pseudo reality. But I mean, to get to bring it back to Mario, yeah. It's funny. You just, you're describing like Mario of the last decade for me. Like yeah. Mario since. Because I, I didn't really like Sunshine. So Mario, like, since, and I didn't get into uh, uh, either of the Galaxy games. Um, uh, so like Mario since 64, like really have, I've played a ton of Mario games since then. Like, yeah. um, but I just haven't really like, you know, dove into a game like I did 64, like knowing, you know, every in and out and every map and, um, and so like the, the Mario games that I have played recently, were just like, Oh, that was such a fun Mario game. But you know, like it didn't remind me of 64. It wasn't like mm-hmm. what's traditional. And that that's always kind of been the give and take with Mario for me over the years is like, Oh, that was such a clever idea, but I'd really like, you know, a classic <laughs> Mario game. Feels bad complaining because you know they're they're pumping out such fun stuff. But I'm kind of worried because there's been a lot of talk, uh, even from Nintendo itself, that that there's a lot of Mario 64 in uh, Odyssey. And if if I had to make a comparison to other 3D Mario games, I would probably say it's the the most similar to Mario 64. But I feel like that's kind of deceiving mm-hmm. because, like, well, yes, that's true in a sense. They're so much different. And for you being so attached to Mario 64 and not really getting into the later ones, mm-hmm. uh, I'm curious 
how you're going to feel because it sounds yeah. like you had like this burning passion for 64 that you just didn't feel with the other ones. Um, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why. I think it might have just been Nintendo in general. You know, like yeah. I was never a big Kirby fan. Never really got into Smash Brothers. It's just never. I've, 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 I adore it, but I don't yeah. obsess over it. You know, and I think that was. Uh, I, I just kind of got into Rockstar and Survival Horror. I think that's like, good. I think we're. I think as far as like coverage from allies, we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. <laughs> I think that's one of the other things too, and, and and why why I haven't felt the need. Yeah, if there were like two of us, you right. know, I would definitely be like, okay, right. you know, but it's like most we should of cover us. some other stuff. Where yeah, we work with like a, a Bossman or Damiani yeah. or right. you know Bloodworth. It's just mm-hmm. like even Ian's just like you know yeah. over the moon. Pun yeah. intended with that game. Uh, Ian's love for Switch. But it's, I mean, Love you know, like, yeah. not not to not to be a, 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 a speaking doom and gloom here, but like, welcome to getting old, fellas. Like that's that's also <laughs> that kind of thing. Is Wait, you, what? That you live with a franchise for so oh, long yeah. that a franchise evolves and becomes this new fun thing, and then you have this whole new audience that embraces that, and you're mm-hmm. just like, in my day, you know, like, well, we got there were you know Hammer Brothers or what? I don't know what specifically the point you were making, but it, like, because I know there are Hammer Brothers in there that you can, I can't wait. It's a bit yeah, strange because I, I I felt like. Early on with Last Generation, there was a lot of, like, brand new. I remember specifically around the the Mass Effect, Bioshock, Portal era, right around the, the sort of, uh, like, 2006, 2007, 2008... Uh, that it was like intensely new, and a lot of the things that I Mass Effect, a lot of the things that I grew up with, like I remember feeling really weird playing Final Fantasy thirteen. It's like this, this is what I want. <laughs> yeah. This is not what I want. Um, and Resident Evil Six gave me a similar feeling, and so I, I, I just felt weird where, where I was like saying goodbye to a lot of what I loved and moving on with a bunch of new things, which you know, part of getting old. But now I feel like the last. Five or six years, it's been a strong like. No, we're bringing it back. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. So that's been a strange feeling to kind of to kind of reconcile. I with. think it's industry wide. Like, there's yeah. a ton of lot lot of even stuff. Even Stranger Things, which is new, right, harkens back to a lot of nostalgia. Um, uh, Marvel is kind of finally like doing comic books, being like, hey, why don't we like read a couple of these comic books and actually tell these stories? You know, mm-hmm. like, yes, yeah. Like, it, it is kind of this fun payoff of I think a lot of. I think what happened was you had this generation growing up and in like the 80s and 90s you had a lot of filmmakers and writers and producers that didn't know the subject matter that like I've never seen a single episode of He-Man but let's make that Masters of the Universe movie you know like so you got these really weird like translations these like mm-hmm. Super Mario Brothers and Street Fighter like what and then you had a lot of kids that loved the thing that watched that film and it pissed us off right We're like Mortal Kombat's like the best we can do really like that's right. the most authentic video game film are you kidding me that are now in their 30s and 40s and 50s and are now like okay we're gonna wait do you see my Daredevil show you know it's like so I think that's kind of this reaction that we're getting now and you always truer to the subject matter you always have this amazing internet rift when you have situations like this uh especially like a show like stranger things where you'll have people that like lived through the references and you'll have the new people who are like into the thing for the first time and you get the well back in my day versus the well i don't know about the like it always it always happens one of my favorites that i saw for stranger things was people like yeah i like stranger things but like the one thing that's so unrealistic is like all these parents just let their kids go out and do whatever they want you're like (laughs) welcome to the 1980s (laughs) or the 70s especially like if you if you listen to seinfeld's uh new special on netflix he goes off for a while about that about how like I, there were no rules. I didn't have seatbelts. Yeah. Like, I, you know, like, it was the Wild West, man. And, I mean, yeah. I didn't grow up in the 80s. I grew up in the 90s. But even then, growing up as a kid, it was like, no, g- g- like, please go play. Like, yeah. you have to get out of this house. Like, like I would go, around. my brother would have a baseball game, and my parents would go to the baseball game, and I would take 
off. And the only thing was just be back by the time the game's over. Right. So I would only get in trouble if, like, the game was over and I was still gone. But, like, I would go blocks away and just like, find them, climb some tree and go right yeah. around. <laughs> uh, Jones, bringing it back around to Mario. Right. Uh, so you said you didn't really get into Sunshine, but recently when we did Easy Living, uh, we played through all of Mario Sunshine. Yeah. Um, and what the allies have done for me is they'll give me a lot of perspectives that I never would have had or they'll make me appreciate something that I couldn't have before. And I think in a lot of ways because they show me these new angles on things that I wouldn't have naturally gravitated to, I'm able to, to just like more things. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have a greater appreciation for Sunshine while we were playing through it, or was it just such a weird situation? Definitely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I think the thing with me, I, and and this is just something that like the way my, my, my brain works, is I'm really big on progression in games. Mm. The least I feel like I'm progressing in a video game, the more likely I am to bail. Uh, and so a lot of those moments happened. A lot of my, when I turned off a Mario game, where I was like, okay, it was like just a really tough challenge. And I got super close to the end and missed that jump. And then I like fall down, which is why I don't think lives are such a big deal. People right. are like, no lives. It's like, yeah, lives are one thing, but getting back up there, you know, like some, yeah. some challenges in Mario games, there's the challenge of doing that little physical activity plus the challenge of getting there, you know, like actually like getting from the, the ground up into this place mm-hmm. where you got to do this thing. And when I would be on the ground looking up, the thing I had to do is just kind of easy for me to be like, forget it, I can't, you know, just yeah. like, and, I, and, and it seems weird for like stress to be involved in a Mario game, but like, yeah, platforms are stressful to me. Like I've never, side-scrolling platforms don't, I don't feel that way. I certainly didn't feel that way in the Super Nintendo because I just played the hell out of everything that was on that system. No, Mario can be intensely but, stressful. Like I can yeah. immediately think of super specific areas where yeah. I was uh, really stressed out during Mario. Uh, before we move on, Huber, uh, so there's a lot to collect in this game. I'm having a good time. I, I feel like I'm willing to sacrifice time with other fun, non-work-related things to to 100% it. I don't know how long it's going to take me, but I yeah. want to. I want 100% it. Do you, with so much coming out, before the show, we were talking <laughs> about all of the games coming out this week, next week, that we have currently. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like sticking with it? Yeah. Uh, my system was to just beat it to the credits roll. Yeah. And then now going back and getting those moons, um, I'm going to prioritize a couple other games, but go to it on the side. Okay. So, so it's going to be, it's going to be your side gonna thing. chip away, chip away. Yeah. Gotcha. But, and so uh, definitely committed to getting hundred percent. Nice. Yeah. And you, do you think you'll have 100% before Goaty? No. Oh, okay. You're no. going to, so was this like a, I'm going to beat it, take that pressure off yeah. and then just ride. And then ride. And then like when I want to get some moons, nice. hop in, like I wanna, I wanna savor what's left. Nice, <laughs> I like that. I, I feel like I'm savoring it too. Yeah. Like I'm not. I'm just having a good time, it's just man. So fun. I'm just, I'm just putting that it's outfit so on. I almost said the outfit. I'm like, no, I don't want to ruin anything. Just that uh, balance. That outfit on like Mario balances hardcore and casual so well, you know, because like Zelda. Is t- Zelda to me is intimidating. The puzzles, mm. you know, even the combat. Like Zelda, I think if you're not super familiar with games, Zelda like, is going through the wild is, is a tough task. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like there's a lot of puzzles where I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, yeah. Like, some I have of those. No rooms. idea what to do. <laughs> or you just run into you just run into some enemies. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, that's ten. That's you did ten hearts there. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. That's yeah. a lot of damage. Yeah. Whereas Mario's so just easy to get through. Like if you're right. stuck on a, a moon or something, that's right. so so hard. Like I got yeah. stuck on a challenge room. I was like, oh, I'll just go and get some other ones. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know it can be a little frustrating if you're a frequent listener of Frame Trap uh, that. 
you know, you want to know what Kyle's thinking about Mario or Bloodworth mm-hmm. or Damiani or Ian, whoever it is. Uh, we, this will not be the last time we talk no. about Mario Odyssey. I guarantee it. Uh, which is probably good news and bad news to some of you, but we'll get we'll make it a point to get different people on here next time. They can tell us about our yeah. experiences because last time we didn't have. Michael Huber or Brandon Jones on to talk oh. about The Evil Within 2. Oh, yeah. And what's great is obviously, Huber, you finished it. Uh, you reviewed it. I've now finished it. Brandon, That's you're pretty far in the chapter game. Eight, chapter yeah. 8. Yeah, you're, you're, you're decent ways into the game. Um, and so we can, I feel like we can talk <laughs> about it. Um, Huber, I don't think you've discussed Evil Within 2 on a podcast yet. No. This. <laughs> Evil Within 1, yeah. directed by Shinji Mikami. Yes. Uh, basically, an idol of yours carrying on exactly the work that you wanted to see. <laughs> yep. Resident Evil 4, dude. Yeah. yeah. Carried on to Evil Within. Yeah, it's been, <laughs> it's been years. 2014 was yeah. Evil Within 1. Uh, so it's been, it's been a long time. We have a follow-up, not directed by Shinji Mikami, no. uh, that is, is a lot different in a lot of ways. Uh, I would say more of a focus on a very explicit story, mm-hmm. uh, a lot more time talking to people, mm-hmm. um, and a lot more openness, a lot more like, hey, you can get out there and go find this stuff and get involved in collecting things and getting involved in these little side stories. So it's, it's, a, it's a shift. As someone who holds this so dear, what did you think? B- like, my favorite video game of the last many years. Like, probably... Oh, is The Evil Within 2? Yeah. Nice. Like, The Last of Us and then The Evil Within 2 is, like, the jump. Like, I wow. like it more than Resident Evil 7. Okay. I am obsessed with this video wow. game. Okay. What it has wow. done to survival horror. Resident Evil 7, when that came out, it was like, whoa, we can do some pretty new and crazy things with survival horror. We can do first person with a combat focus instead of, you know, like uh, like Outlast, first person running away, and Amnesia, yeah. uh, even Soma. A lot of these first person survival horror games where it's a focus on getting away rather than engaging in combat. Yeah. So Resident Evil 7, like, shook it up. You can give me a machine gun and it's still scary. Yeah. <laughs> you know? For it, Evil Within 2 to shake it up further, to add open world sections to this game, mm-hmm. but also have those more focused linear moments mm-hmm. of of going through like a really specific section uh having the like balancing those and the way the game is paced like i don't know how they did it i don't know how they kept this game tense and scary and engaging the entire way through because my problem so many times with the open world is it reduces the tension you know when i when it turns into a checklist of like okay open world all right just check these boxes all right go over there get that stuff go over there get that stuff i kind of lose it becomes more uh artificial for me sure never felt that way with evil within 2 uh what ways specifically do you think the open world keeps the tension uh so supplies are so rare and every like every hit you take it is so damaging, mm-hmm. like using your health items, using your bullets, taking damage, all of that stuff like kind of snowballs into itself. So every step you take is is important. Everything you do is important at all times in the game, which is a staple of the genre that has been kind of like lo- like it, lesser survival horror games kind of lose that. Uh, preach. First of all, uh, <laughs> second of all, you're absolutely right, and I think that's something Evil with one in one 
actually nailed really well. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, where even though it was a lot more linear, there were plenty of moments where I was just like, I am, I am, out, I am just out of ammo. Yeah. How am I uh, yeah. going to deal with this situation? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think about a lot of survival horror games. Now that just doesn't happen, but but it's it's, it's insistence mm-hmm. on making these things feel valuable and making you a little bit tense every time you pull that trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I love is that the way that the open world is constructed here is it makes you feel that so much more where there are a lot of situations where it's like, all right, I know there's this thing here. I know I can can get this pouch or get this ammunition or whatever it is. Am I going to spend more resources going there to get that stuff? Like, is it going to be like a net loss? Yeah. Basically. I'm doing, I'm always like crunching numbers in my brain. Right. Like doing yeah, yeah. math. Right. Like, do I spend this, these crafting parts on this? Do I use the oh, gel on this? Gu- to get Gunpowder is like, yeah. Yeah. Like absolutely. spending seven gunpowder on a shotgun shell is like, <laughs> yeah. I got to do it. Okay. <laughs> <Right>. Like, <laughs> Um, and like, and not, I'm always scared to fill to capacity because then what if I turn around exactly. the corner and get five more bullets and I can't carry yep. it? And so you like, you Smart. Know, don't cap out. Yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. Right. I, I stare at that we- uh, weapon screen just like, uh. <laughs> I, I like too that the nurse uh, who comes back, I love that like, I love when you're on the skill tree and she's like, maybe consider putting some into combat. And I'm okay. like, leave me alone, lady. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't make any sense to me because I was going hard on stealth at first. Yeah. And she kept saying, put she some points into combat, that. put some points into combat. And I'm like, yeah. I put a lot of points into combat. Yeah. We're good on the combat. We're good on, yeah. the, combat. We're good on the combat. Maybe yeah. suggest. I don't. Yeah. I don't. Uh, yeah. Else. I don't think that's necessarily based on what right. you say. I think it's just her having fun little one-liners. And I stuff. just thought it was funny. Yeah. Um. But like in the Evil Within one, it was okay. You have to deal with these situations. How are you mm-hmm. going to use your resources? And you have that so much in the Evil Within two. But you also have. I don't have to deal with this. How much am I willing to give to get yeah. there? I, I love. I love that a lot. Um. I also. Really, really, really like. And we're we're getting into dangerous territory, but I love the whole idea of of this photographer and some of the scenes that he <laughs> creates for you. Yeah, it's just such a. Every time I saw, every time I saw yeah. him like free somebody in place, like being able to walk around them, how yeah. grisly it was. I mean, you basically have these these mutilated corpses that are frozen in time. Uh, I thought it gave the game uh, some of its some of its best moments. And while I like running around the city, it, the city itself didn't do much for me. I oh. liked what I was chasing after. I liked the uh, flexibility of it. Yeah. But it was really in those moments where I'm like, oh, no, mm-hmm. this is this is the kind of aesthetic that I'm craving. This is some truly unique horror. Yes. If you think about somebody, you know, capturing in a three-dimensional space a moving image of, of a person's death, mm-hmm. it's like... Surely Clive Barker made that film, but like, no, it's not really, like, I can't, it doesn't recall like, oh, well, they clearly got that idea from that Twilight Zone episode. Like, yeah. that's some cool new stuff and a very neat uh, mechanic in a, in a game. You know, and, and I like and, and I, th- I thought actually just living in this in here now, but uh, uh, Sebastian's asides like stuff he says to himself or briefly yeah. to another people, I think are way better in Evil Within 2 than they were the first game. He's mm. just in general written a lot more realistically. Yeah. Um, and so it's, a lot of times he'll I'll discover things and look at them and he'll say almost verbatim exactly the thought I just had. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like his perspective and, and just like looking at these, you know, creepy constructs that guy puts together and mm-hmm. um, just being horrified by it. Uh Jones, I don't know if you had this experience, or Huber, if you had this experience, uh, where we were, we were talking about the the limit on resources before, yeah. and I, I think with any game, you just sort of naturally gravitate to some weapons first, 
And there'd be a couple of times that I would use a weapon in the Evil Within. It's like, ah, I don't like this as much as the other thing. Would run out of stuff on the other thing. And then would naturally be like, oh, no, this is really useful. Because I am being forced into it. Yeah. I can see, like, pretty much everything in my entire toolkit. I was like, no, there is a good use for all of this. And I loved that I was so aggressively nudged into that stuff. Yeah, Did you, th- absolutely. Okay. Like, you know. I obviously get the shotgun. I'm like, I just want to use the shotgun for the rest of the game. Nope. Yeah. Like, we're going to give you pistol ammo. We're going to give you crossbow bolts and resources. Not going to give you any shotgun ammo. There's going to be really good opportunities to light a pool of gas on fire (laughs) or electrocute a puddle that you just can't ignore. Boy, that crossbow can do some serious work. Mm -hmm. I I love, too, the first time I, like, trapped a bunch of zombies, like, in a pool and I was just like, eight of them. They're all like, ah. And I was like, yes, win. And then the electrocution goes away, and they all get up. And yep. I was like, ah! <laughs> like, it did damage to them, but it didn't kill like, any of them. them. It was like, oh, no. Uh, I'm surprised <laughs> you didn't like the town environment. It's it's not that I didn't like it. I mm-hmm. Let me... It it was fine. It was yeah. it was serviceable, but it didn't, it didn't produce any of those wow moments that I had uh, when I was kind of in those mm-hmm. more carefully constructed mm-hmm. uh, parts. Not that the town wasn't carefully constructed, but it just... I feel like I have been in so many horror slash post-apocalyptic ruined towns that mm-hmm. there wasn't there wasn't really anything in there that that made me specifically go wow. There were some side stories that I got into with some spooky figures yes. that made me go wow, absolutely. But just the town itself, uh, not not bad, mm-hmm. not aggressively against it, just not like mm. jumping. Some up and down. of the best use of nostalgia slash fan service slash. Mm. nods to the evil within one that i have ever witnessed in a yeah. sequel in my entire life oh. doesn't shove it down your throat doesn't no. force it just uh, most of it is there if you seek it out and you find it mm-hmm. well some of it is very and in your some face of it, it's but just but when it's in your face it has a bite to it there's a there's a there's some encounters later on it's so cool. they're like Oh yeah! So cool. <laughs> oh yeah! This part, yeah, it's it's, it's very cool. very good. Um, another thing I want to say about the open world is that I think if you have a world where resources are so valuable, the things that you're going after have to really, really, really feel worth it. And I remember getting that sniper rifle and taking down things in one shot with yeah. that sniper rifle that were such a pain in the butt before, mm-hmm. and I was like. I'm so glad I did this. I'm yeah. so glad I went through the effort to get to the parts to get the sniper rifle. And so I want to commend the Evil Within 2 for doing that. Absolutely. Uh, Brandon, are you going after everything? Are you, you cleaning it up? Everything. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. And actually, I think uh, I would agree with you that like the villages, the little towns like aren't necessarily inspired. Like the buildings themselves aren't yeah. like, you know. Uh, majestic. I do love just the the asteroid belt that you're kind of traveling sure. through. Sure, like yeah, yeah, it yeah. is kind of unsettling to just look over the edge. Mm-hmm. The giant. I, I, I like that sky. you can't fall off, so I like I can get right up against the edge and look down because it's creepy to see. Yeah. I mean, granted, a pretty low poly, you know, it, like suburb or something, but like it is kind of unsettling. I love the train. Uh, oh, the yeah, train yeah, all the trains. Some, some, it's, and, but it's it, the open world's neat too because you kind of let your guard down. If you're going like hallway to hallway, door to door, you're like opening up a door like. Like, really, in any horror game, it's like, uh, you know, I could hit a trap at any second. Whereas you're just like, oh, there's a train over here. Boom! And then, like, it's, like yeah. you just walk right into some trap or have some 
corpse, you know, like, all, you know, if there's 50 corpses in the game that are just lying, like, on a park bench or in a, you know, train seat or something, and just one of those bastards gets up and, and like, wakes up and comes after me, the other 49 are going to terrify me the whole time, because mm-hmm. I'm always thinking, like, uh, uh, so it's neat to, like, be in an open environment and, like, crawling, like, the whole time. Like, it, it really took me, like, four or five hours in that game to start, like, running places, you know, because yeah. yeah. I was always just like, no, I don't want to, like, Stay low. I think they do running a good job of alerting useful. you when it, they're like, no one knows you're, uh, yeah. yet, but you're making a lot of noise right now, like, mm-hmm. um, I was, we were joking last night every time something comes up and I'm like ah and I go to run away I always click the left stick and turn the flashlight on and piss something else off and like ah um the most terrified I've been in that game and the time I've played it was just a, a complete crazy open world experience where I just like pissed off four zombies and then like ran into an alleyway right into one of the guys that's like uh oh God, that like so it has like white you know like kind of pale face and yeah. green face and like little like like things like pink around she the eyes the butcher and knife. Like, yeah um, pissed off one of those and was like ah and then like ran away from that into a dead end corner where there was another one so I had four zombies and two of those things one sniper bullet <laughs> to the head yeah saved yeah. me so much trouble nice. Yep. The one, the really thin guys that, that spit off the green smoke those are my sniper guys those are the guys that oh. I'm like <laughs> it takes I love two or three to bring them, them down you yeah. like jump I on just, the yes. and then, and then you like I, run I away I, and you're like okay I gotta get ready for the next attack I didn't think I could yeah, yeah. and then I, I do it yeah. now because I thought I might get like gassed if I was close to them or something. But uh, Jones, um, as as somebody who's played the Evil Within one, the Evil mm-hmm. Within two, how would you how would you compare the two? Uh, I think they're different in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah, they definitely feel like and and not different necessarily in a way where it's like okay, Evil Within one was great, but how can we make it better? It mm-hmm. definitely feels like a, a different thing. Like there are points where um, that I actually kind of enjoy. Uh, I think are really refreshing about this game um, and parts that that I, I don't think add up. I don't necessarily know where. Uh, um, there are lots of topics I would like to bring up about this game, some stuff that uh, I think the first game did better. Um, but I think uh, Im- big improvements, I think just believability of the character. I think the interactions are a lot more believable. Mm-hmm. I think the characters that you find in the world, I like that they're like, oh, no, I'm in STEM. I know. Like, I know what's going on. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's not the the whole constantly bumping into, but what's happening? You know, like, yeah. uh, and that was kind of creepy in the first game because, like, you would bump into your friends and I kept thinking, like, are you here? Like, yeah. are you really you? Like, am I in here all by myself and this is just, uh, you know, STEM messing with me? Or, like, because your friends were, like, kind of dull. Like, you're, you're like your one guy with the glasses, your yeah. phone. Oh, no. It was, like, kind of a knucklehead. Like, he, he didn't really, like, help. It was neat having him there in some of the combat situations. But uh, I feel these interactions are a lot more refreshing. We, we really get right down to the science of what's happening and, um, I think the villain is a lot more sadistic and creepy, and um, uh, so the the world itself, and just and like I'm, as I was saying with the open world, I think it was a really right. interesting thing. Not only just in Evil Within, but in in horror games to do, where um, I'm almost I almost always have a destination, and any time they give me a marker, I go in the complete opposite direction. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's the last place I want to go because that's going to continue the story, maybe block me out of some mm-hmm. stuff. I'm going to go to that camp of six dudes munching on a pile of corpses in the middle of that intersection. And I'm going to go, you know, spend 20 minutes over there and get some some gel. Because people, like, I've heard some people say, oh, it's not that scary. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, survival horror doesn't need to make you crap your pants every right. 10 seconds. You know, it's it's the open world survival yeah. parts that are so fun in their own way. To and me, then there are about, the linear horror parts. Not that survival horror games can't be scary, but to me, when I think about survival horror, I don't necessarily think absolute horror all the time i think of tension tension i think yeah. i think the tension is what's important it's unsettling um i do feel like i'm in the minority here uh so now that i've, I've finished the evil within i boy i'm just not into the story oh. i'm just not into it um yeah i think like i said i think the interactions between characters are more believable 
I don't really care at all about the story. <laughs> that eight chapters in, I'm, I'm, the, the story is not what's pulling me. <laughs> here's where I'm coming from. I'm going to say this without without ruining anything. Um, there, there are two things for me, and the first thing that I want to say is Sebastian's driving force for going into this crazy world in this crazy situation is is to to rescue his daughter. Yeah, that's that's not a spoiler. That's just like it's the, the premise. premise. That's the, the first setup yeah. of the whole thing. Yeah, I don't think. They they do this thing in this game where they, they keep telling you, like Sebastian keeps saying how much he cares for his daughter, but there was no scene to me where I was like, oh, yep, I really feel it now. Like there was no, mm-hmm. there was no interact. Like he, he, I just kept hearing how much he cared, <laughs> yeah. but there was no like, there was no, there was nothing where I'm like, oh, it actually feels like this is a super integral part of his life. It, and that extends to his whole family. Like there's obviously... He keeps saying that he loves them, but just the way that that character would talk, I couldn't, because I couldn't buy into mm. that relationship, it felt really hard to get fired up about that whole mission. For me, I didn't really need to see him say anything or with her. It was just so easy for me to be like, he's trying to find his daughter. He loves his daughter. Done deal. Yeah, and I don't, I don't like, know what it was, yeah. but I just, like... It would get to the point where those scenes would come up, and it just it it felt like oh yeah we got to remind him that mm. we got to remind the audience that this is what he's chasing after. It just didn't it didn't feel it felt like a written reason to do something rather than like uh, no we we're really supporting this in a super mm. obvious way kind of a thing. And I think yeah. that wasn't super well extended, but maybe I'll circle back around on it. I think the other thing that that bothered me, and I think why I prefer the ride of evil within one more is because <laughs> in evil within one, there were a lot of moments where I'm like, I'm not even really sure if I know exactly what's happening. Like if you were to ask uh, me yeah. to explain what is going on with these characters and this corporation, I don't know if I could do it in a super coherent way, mm-hmm. but because of that, because it's so erratically throwing me all over the place, I think I'm able to buy into the mystery a little bit more. I think I'm able to buy into the menace of Mobius a little bit more because because I have that weird sense of I'm not exactly sure what's happening, and it makes me a little bit uneasy, and it makes me a little bit easier to 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 buy into your evilness in a weird way. Whereas Evil Within Two, they definitely explain Mobius a lot more. They explain mm-hmm. Stem a lot more, and I think. You know, responding to criticism, they're trying to to keep you on the same page yeah. uh, more explicitly, and I think that's commendable. But I think it got to a point to me where it was like, I think you've overexplained this. I, I don't. They don't have that. They don't have that mystery anymore. They don't have that mess anymore. And I just ended up not caring too much about Mobius or Stem as a result. I think. What about with like him? Ugh, can't really go into it as much with Jones, but yeah. okay. with like. Like the 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 culmination of it all, you know, like Sebastian and yeah, that there is definitely uh, you know, a, like a tying le- together, like leading up to that, right? Those parts, and there like, is that. Yeah. But I, I think <laughs> what might be happening to me with Evil Within, and this is another mm-hmm. com- point that I want to bring up, is it might have been w- once we got to that culmination, it, it was dealing with too many things. So it's like, all right, we're dealing with, you know, confronting Mobius, and we're dealing with. You know, his family, Sebastian mm-hmm. and his family. And I felt like, and we're dealing with Kidman in, in its own kind of way, even though it's connected. And so I felt like what, as we got to that culmination, we were kind of going off in different directions. And so 
none of them hit as hard as I would expect. And this is what I want to bring up about The Evil Within 1. Mm-hmm. I really like Ruvik a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. I really felt like there was an intense focus on Ruvik and like the Mobius and Stent stuff was surrounding him, mm-hmm. but he had a really intense and convincing personal backstory yeah. and sort of stayed a primary antagonist all the way through, where I feel oh. like the things that the Evil Within 2 is throwing at you with its narrative are uh, uh, a little bit more diverse, which isn't necessarily bad, but it didn't have that sort of single punch that Ruvik had, mm-hmm. I would feel. But Stefano, man, he's so good. He is really good. He's really good. <laughs> I And I like his style. Yeah. I do. I like his style. And uh, later on, when you're in kind of like in some different areas in Evil yeah. Thins, like areas that you have not yet seen before. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it feels bad complaining about this stuff because I think overall I really like the game. Yeah. And like, Just didn't connect fully with the plot. Didn't connect fully yeah. with the plot, but right. but I felt it. Yeah. Like, it, it, when it comes to feeling games and their environment and that tension, I definitely felt yeah. the Evil Within 2, and I, I, I think that's personally more important to me. The... This is not a spoiler, Jones, I'm sorry, but I just oh, want to say that the final creature design mm. is like hall of fame <laughs> i would say a lot of the creature hall design is, is yeah, yeah, good yeah. for especially for the like huh. more intense boss type enemies is yeah very good. really great audio design with the enemies yeah. too. love the giant buzzsaw multi-head monster that like giggles laugh it's yeah like, <laughs> oh that and laugh I, was terrifying so and, I, and i love that again with how they build the open world that like sometimes it'll appear in an area after you've done something and so I'll go into an area and activate something, and then that thing will show up, and now it's patrolling. And I'm like, yeah. damn! <laughs> like, I still have more items to find here. Yeah. And now i got to constantly be, like, aware. Like, there's a lot of instances where, like, I know, I'm like, I'm going to piss this thing off and get away from it. And even just it's screaming behind me, and I know it can see me, and that eye opens up. Like, yep. Ah. Uh, yeah. Jones, I definitely kind of went off on a tangent there, but you, but sure. you, you were mentioning uh, feeling some disconnect with the evil within... Two stories. Well, and I want to give you a chance to. to I'm going to speak that. a language you can understand, Huber. Do it. Resident Evil Two. Yes. Different protagonists. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think Evil Within Two would have been better if we were someone else. <laughs> Why do you feel that way? Uh, it, it's it's the continuation of him. It's kind of making. It's kind of like it, it's kind of like where I, when I started to get more, like more and more distant from Aliens, where I was like. We can make one of these movies without Ripley. That's fine. You know, there's a lot of people in this universe sure. that this could affect. And by the time we got to like four, and it's like, well, back to Ripley. I'm like, stop it. You're like, what? This is such a cool concept that you've created here, the Xenomorph. It's it's so much more than this weird relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I look at like aliens and like her reasons for going back, and like hit like it just just this weird relationship where like he hates STEM, but like not really. You know, like he's mad. That they like, you know, like they're responsible for his daughter getting caught up in this, but it's like doesn't really come up that much, you know. It's mm-hmm. I, like I feel way more upset on his behalf than he is, you know. Like the fact that he gives Kidman the time of day is remarkable to me, you know. That he is 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 in communicate with this woman who he knows was instrumental, and again, there's like you know, you know, uh, half the game that I have not played, so maybe all of this, you know, is explained later or did you play or builds to a head? But assignment um, and consequence. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, so, uh, uh, but even that, I mean, even the position that she's in now, kind of like her explanation for her actions is like weak. I'm like, all right. You know, and, and, and even to the point where like, I got back to his apartment one time and, uh, or got back to his office and I had like four new slides and I was like, oh, I got the slides. I should go check those out. And I open them up and it's like, talk to Kidman. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I hit the button and he's like, you up Kidman? She's like, yeah, what's up? And he's just like, I just remembered I love my dart. And I'm like, I'm out. I don't care. I, I don't care. I like, I, what Kidman has to say about this is not, I do not care. Like I'm way into him. I want him to find her. 
but just like how she got wrapped up and it's it's just weird it's, I mean, it's they a worked, weird they worked together and like they did they got out of stem together so they went through this traumatic experience together they clearly have some kind of a bond sure she came back to him giving him the opportunity to rescue his daughter uh, so i mean it's kind of an fool uneasy... me once shame on me fool me i also once, kind you know. of got the sense that maybe you, maybe this is me giving credit where credit is isn't due but like what they were hammering home with sebastian is he really doesn't have anybody and so even though kidney yeah. is not ideal yeah that like that's what he's got. It's, yeah, I, I, uh, I, think the, I, I think his relationship to the nurse is like way more interesting. I, I than actually him. love like, the relationship. I, I, to the nurse, it, yeah. and, and and like you were saying, like what what's going on there? Right. Why? Right. But that, why, why so am I here? Why you? Yeah. Why the board? Mm-hmm. Why the lockers? You know, like that. And I think that's. I think that like at the end of the day, when I beat evil with in one, and I would be thinking about it and then I think about it later and like have a whole different concept about like what it means and like mm-hmm. even I remember tripping a lot about Evil Within we never really did a spoiler mode on that man I, would, I really would have loved to have a post-mortem on, on Evil Within 1 yeah. maybe play it again and just kind of like look at those themes and like I, I, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, in the first one and, and I'm really noticing a lot of that in the second one but maybe it's because I thought about it a lot when I played Evil Within 1 but the comment on violence and like I wonder if them coming in guns blazing is kind of creating a lot of the adversity that they're facing mm-hmm. That like you you know you look at his daughter and her running through this or other people and it's like how did you survive and it's like well they don't have a you know bazooka and other stuff it's like it's yeah. like maybe this the, the world is reacting to kind Hostile of the tension that you're throwing yeah. in kind of like when you know Luke goes into the tree and Yoda's like why are you bringing a lightsaber and he's like to protect myself and Yoda's like whatever like that's not the point of the, right. okay um, uh, but uh, that's fascinating to me you know kind of I, I love when he, you know he sees the nurse and it's like what you know. Wait, but you're but this isn't there. Why are you here? And she's like, looks the same to me. And like, it's so creepy. I love it. Yeah. Um, it so just the, him him getting kind of thrown into the first game and looking around and being like, what's going on? Versus him premeditated being like, all right, I love my daughter. I'm going back in. Just does not come close oh, to the same that. weight of the. Well, oh, I gotta go get her. You know, especially because I know it's a game, and you know. It's a horror game, so like things are probably not going to work out the way I want them to. So right. I'm just I'm just kind of like letting the ending happen, and I'm not not as invested emotionally as I was in the first one. But yeah, I, it still, it's such an interesting point that you bring up, Brandon. That I that I do think I agree with. There is something about him knowing what he's getting into, knowing how crazy it can be that I that changes it a little bit versus the whole like what what where am I how am I. I like that so much more because like I don't need the inception like mind bending like what is happening like there's still so much mystery though there is there is a lot of mystery there's a lot of mystery and there's so much that he hasn't encountered before yeah that's true I just want Stem to be the villain I just they're they're trying to kind of do like a Mobius they're trying to do like a gray area thing and I just hate them so much I'm not buying it you know it's like I don't every excuse they've given me to be like well they're just a bunch of people I'm like no (laughs) very uh, (laughs) anime intentions with Mobius. Oh, with Mobius? Absolutely. <laughs> we will. We're, we're getting close to spoiler territory yeah. here, but I do think that yeah. is an absolutely fair statement. Very anime intentions. Yeah. I think I think they Mobius. say a line. I don't, I don't feel this is spoiler, but I think they, they say a line later where he's like, she's like, yeah, and then this psychopath got a hold of STEM, and he's like, yeah, how'd that happen? She's like, we don't know. It's like, well, then you're idiots. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I just, then I'm, then you're just dumb. I, I, yeah. I don't, then there's not that point where it's like, well, Mobius isn't really trying. We should give him the benefit of the doubt. It's like, you're all bad at your jobs. Yep. <laughs> uh, Brandon Jones, Michael Huber, I've got some news for you. Oh. Do you happen to know what that news is? What? That Evil Within 2 is fantastic. Uh, uh, it is is great. That there's going to be some DLC, hopefully, just like the first you know game. What? Uh, I, f- I played through <laughs> Consequence because I hadn't played through. I played through Assignment like 
pretty a while ago, but nice. I hadn't played the consequence. So I played the consequence. So like good. as I was playing Evil Within Two, and I I really liked it. I thought both the both yeah. assignment and consequence were very strong. I'm hoping yeah. that the the DLC for Evil Within Two is strong as well because I really like that game. Yeah. I want to play more. Resident Evil Seven DLC coming. Resident Evil Seven. Yeah, yeah. So soon. Yeah. yeah. It's a good it's a good year for Huber. All years good. Yeah. Another good one for Huber. Uh, but anyway, the news that I've got for you is that uh, Brandon actually said something. He got us caught in a frame trap. <gasps> oh. However. Stakes are a little different this time. Uh, less intense. They, they, the demons really like Halloween. Them being demons, and so they, the, the word that was the trigger here was a bit of a softball. And they, they thought knowing you two, one of you might bring it up at some point. Brandon, you're the one that said it. Do you happen to know what it is? Something that you both hold very near and dear. Uh, I like shotguns Star Wars. versus humor. Is it Star Wars? No. no? Uh, give you, give you one more. Oh, I don't know. Xenomorph. You said oh, Xenomorph. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you got us. Classic. You got us caught in a frame trap. Uh, excuse me, sir. A, a what? Xenomorph. <laughs> they, they are in the Halloween spirit. Uh, if this is your first time watching this show, I can imagine this all sounds like nonsense. Um, but basically, uh, we have uh, a little little break up in the show, a little game that we play, uh, just just for for funsies and also. Uh, where we can we can talk about our sponsors who who help us ward off the cotton frame trap and we got two sponsors today uh, we have some some couple a uh, couple more sponsors that just signed up that you'll be hearing about on the next episodes that's pretty exciting Neato. Um, but our two sponsors today they've been with us for a long time and I'm super grateful about that thank you so much our first one people always think I'm saying something different than what I'm actually saying so I'm really gonna try to enunciate here our first sponsor is our ghosts of war. Uh, Our Ghosts of War is a first-person World War II experience that redefines the survival genre, launching with an unrelenting 16-kilometer environment and featuring an innovative multinational warfare system, foraging, hunting, salvaging, bunker building, NPC and resource management, and a deeply customizable job system. Your strategic and survival prowess will empower you and your brothers-in-arms to battle towards multiple paths of victory. Argos of War is more than just another survival game. It's a love letter to World War II and survival fans alike. Follow the development of the project at Argos of War on Twitter for daily updates. And our second sponsor is just a cool Batman dude, Greg the Dark Knight <laughs> Kettering. <laughs> yeah. Thank you to Argos of War dude, Dark- and to Greg. Dark Knight was MVP in the Evil Within 2 full playthrough. Huh. Helping me out with all of the locker keys. Nice. Oh, Every nice. time a locker key, oh, yeah. he'd be like, all right, we got locker northeast. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'd be like, all right. <laughs> so every time we got to a new chapter, I absolutely... and, and others as well, but but Dark Knight was there for, for yeah. the entire wow. I think, I think we're fortunate because it doesn't happen too much with us. I don't like it when you're streaming and somebody's like, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, you're just hounding you. But I do love when you get in sync with somebody. Yeah. They're yeah. like, all right, man, you got to do this. And it's like, okay, I did this, now what? And it's like, it's almost like Co-pilot. you got this phantom on the couch with you. Yeah. It's great. I, I, I really enjoy dropping a, a, a different kind of game, like an old school game or something that people weren't expecting us to play. And seeing that at least one person in chat, like we played the Expert. thing last night, and I love that we like weren't saying what the next game we were going to be playing, and all of a sudden it like cuts the like they can see like the thing logo, and I yeah. can't, like a couple people were into it, but like one person specifically in the chat was like, yeah, <laughs> it was like right. yeah, you know, like I love I that. I remember we're this. Like, yeah, my time has come. <laughs> yep, I've been following these allies all this time, and they've been playing all this wacky nonsense. But yes, the thing. 
My game. <laughs> um, so our, our little quiz game today, to explain it for you. So we've got five multiple choice questions here. Uh, what I ask of you, panel, is that uh, I will say a question, and then I will give you three choices. Please wait until all three choices are said. Uh, if you want to answer, you must be the first to whisper the word hotake into the mic and then say your answer. If you do not whisper hotake, we've been bad at enforcing this in the past. I'll try to be better here. Uh, it will go to the other person. If you get it wrong, it will go to the other person. So with all of that explained, uh, thinking about Halloween, thinking about costumes, talking about Mario, who dresses up more than Mario? Probably other game characters, but Mario dresses up a lot. I've got some Mario power-ups here. I'm going to say the power-up, and then I'm going to give you three options for the game that it first appeared in. Oh, not no. subsequently appeared in. First appeared in, according to the Super Mario wiki. All right. Are we ready? Do we understand the rules? Yeah. Yes. All right. Question, or power-up one, the boomerang flower. Did that first appear in Super Mario Galaxy 2, A, B, Super Mario 3D Land, or C, New Super Mario Brothers U? Otake. Michael Huber. A. Galaxy 2? Yeah. Incorrect. B. Otake. <laughs> B. <laughs> We're going to give it to you. Just This is a warning. Okay. This is a warning. Remember, before you answer, you got to whisper Hotake. Cool. I was, I didn't, because there was only one person left. Right. So I, Absolutely. I, I can see yeah. why that would be confusing. Okay. Okay. It was a gray area. Okay. We're going to give it to okay. you. Uh, did you say B? B, yeah. That is correct. Super Mario, yeah. Super Mario 3D Land was the first appearance of the boomerang Dang. flower. God, I love 3D Land. Favorite it's, handle it's, game ever. Yeah. Number one. Delightful. All right. The Goomba Mask. So, not you actually becoming a Goomba, but a mask that, that a character wears. Did that first appear in 3D World, A, B, 3D Land, or C, Mario Odyssey? Okay. Jones. Mario Odyssey. Incorrect. No. Yeah, I, I, boy, played either of those games and don't remember that at all. It didn't, it didn't come up a lot. Okay. Huber. 3D World. Correct. First appeared in Mario 3D World. Hammer suit. You know what the hammer suit is? Mm -hmm. Throwing hammers like the Hammer Brothers? All right. Power up three. Hammer suit. Did that first appear in A, Super Mario World, B, New Super Mario Brothers Wii, or C, Super Mario Brothers 3? Otake. Brandon? C. That is correct. Well done. The A and B were newer games. He tried to get us. He tried to get he tried us. Tried to get us. <laughs> uh, no, Super Mario World was not. Oh, was that? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, but I am always trying to get you. <laughs> Power up four. The penguin suit. Is that a new Super Mario Brothers, the DS one? Mm -hmm. B new Super Mario Brothers U, the Wii U one, or C new Super Mario Brothers Wii? Hotake C. Correct! Yay! <laughs> Just throwing out a prayer there. Threw it out there. <laughs> yep. Brought it down. Suit first Brady. appeared in New Super Mario Bros. Wii. <laughs> that was a funny question and three answer response. Yeah. Ben Moore. Well yeah. done. Well yeah. done. The Rock Mushroom. Did that first appear in Super Mario Galaxy? Super Mario Galaxy 2. Hotake B. 
Huber, I'm going to disqualify you because you have to yeah! wait. You have to wait until all three options are said, even if you know the answer. You could just whisper Hotaku. No, you have to wait. We said Dang we said at the beginning, you got to wait until all three options are said. Dang it. So I'm sorry. I'm going to have to give that one to Jones. Jones, I'm going to read all three answers. Okay. Please wait until they're said. All right. A, Super Mario Galaxy. B, Galaxy 2. C, New Super Mario Brothers U. Hatake, B is in Huber. <laughs> yes, it is B, Galaxy 2. Huber, I'm sorry. Okay. I know we gave one. Jones a gray area one. Confident. But, oh, the, okay. the integrity of this <laughs> caught a frame trap. But it's okay. I it's just for rock, fun. I love that rock suit, that's why. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, you're so a big fun. Galaxy 2 fan. You had it. <laughs> Oh boy, we're so close. Jones wins by one point. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, I feel guilty. I feel bad, Huber. Follow directions, kids. Yeah. <laughs> Rules are important. Yeah. All right. Jones, I said that, right? Rules that you have important. to, at the top, I said you have to wait until all three are said. It's common knowledge. I mean, come on. Yeah. But I, if I, did, I would feel yeah. guilty if I didn't say it. I, I think, think you did. did. I, think I think you did. did. I'm yeah. pretty sure I did. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just let the emotions get the better of me. That's all right. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> Jones, you did it. You are a hero of the day. You have the honor of breaking us out of the frame trap. This can be anything. It can be a phrase. It can be a move. It can be a pose. Whatever you think will be a powerful enough action to free us from this demonic realm. Hmm. Um, okay, hold on, hold on. Um, I'm gonna do, I'll do like... Jack Skellington Halloween. Happy Halloween! <laughs> there we go. Like I said, uh, the demons were feeling very festive, and they especially like that. They're not, they not only shattered the frame trap, but they're also dancing. They're happy. They want to watch. They want to watch some some good vibes movies at the moment, or TV shows. All right. Thank you so much to our sponsors. Thank you guys for playing along with my silly games. Uh, but we're going to move on. And I think what can, I would like... Can I say one, one last thing yes. about Evil Within 2? Just yes. one last little note. Absolutely, you can. Because uh, I specifically want to address this to Huber. Yeah. Uh, I'm cheesing that game like crazy. How so? Uh, I leave the safe house. I, I go and I'm in trouble. I run back to the safe house. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> the, coffee, the, the coffee doesn't... Uh... It, it, it's not necessarily a health thing. It's just like, oops, I got caught. And like, there are times when like I've pissed off a, a, a four people who have come charging after me, run through a bush, yeah, and squatted, and they're all like, huh? Yeah. And they all, like, just I, I, I'm, I feel like I'm gaming the game just to like, because I'm like, we're talking about various weapons and stuff. I've fired any weapon very uh, seldomly. Yeah, I was pretty much boss fights. Like, what's good is saved all my shotgun ammo for a couple specific yeah. bosses where they're like, you got to shoot this little tiny part of them that's constantly moving. Yeah, um, and uh, 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 very. Uh, rarely do I fire that crossbow. Playing on normal all pistol, yeah. So normal, normal's good. Uh, on and then there's like two other ones, but on hard, it doubles down on things mattering even more. Mm -hmm. Like on normal, things matter. On nightmare, like even more so. Uh, so on nightmare, even the gel you invest because on normal, it's like, all right, what can I get next? All right, pump yeah, yeah, it up, yeah. pump it up, pump it up. On nightmare you really got to choose what you want to invest your skills in, especially early on. So I felt I was running into trouble early on there, Jones, where like I didn't have enough stamina. So I would try to cheese it. I would try to run oh, back to the yeah. safe house and they would just be like, Bop! yeah, yeah. Bop! So, okay. Oh man, yeah. the, the 
open nature of it makes stamina feel even more yes. important too. Yep. Yeah. Because like oh, I don't really, I want like more like damage you want, or maybe more health or right. something. Or like, like those sweet like you got like the predator skill perks, or like yeah. Yeah, yeah. stealth and uh, stuff. I will say to me, I when I read it, I was like, eh. But then when I actually got it, most useful skill for me probably was the bottle breaking one. Oh, bottle break. Yeah. It's sure. so oh, yeah. Yeah. good. It's, it's really so good. good. It's kind of OP. All right. Uh, we're going to move on to the next game. If you're good, anything else we want to say? Any wrap-up thoughts? All right, great. Uh, so the next game we want to move on to, Michael Huber, you reviewed this, and you're both big fans of this series, is Sweet. Assassin's Creed Origins. Assassin. <laughs> Not in this game. <laughs> um, so Huber, uh, you're somebody that I think year after year is, is in some ways like definitely carrying the torch for Assassin's Creed. You're still expressing a lot of enthusiasm. I for love it. it. You love it. Love it. You love it. And you were really excited about Origins. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. Yep. Um, and you reviewed it. You gave it a three and a half. Not a bad score by any means. We like yeah. we got to dispel that Please. nonsense. It's a good score. It's a yeah. good score. It's a good score. But it is not... Four, four and a half, five. It, yeah. is, it is not those things. Yeah. And so, obviously, some some complaints there. Yeah. Now that you've played through the whole thing, yep. uh, you know, especially with them taking some time off, uh, proclaiming a lot of big changes, what, what did you think, man? I really liked think? it, and I can sum up the three and a half so quickly and easily. Okay. Okay. I have absolutely no problem with Assassin's Creed sticking to the formula. I know they kind of changed things up. They changed combat, like a lot but it's still pretty much the same Mm -hmm. the reason for the three and a half was because you're fighting and stealthing and combating enemies for the majority of this game and that was not very fun it wasn't bad but it wasn't great Mm -hmm. it's not good enough to give it a higher score like the combat was fine and that's a big part of this video game. You know, when you're mm. battling so many people, when your whole goal is to kill people in combat, right? right. Like, it is a, such a pillar and a, the, a foundation of this game. Uh, if I didn't have that much fun with combat, then that's that's why I so stuck to the combat because you're fighting a lot and you're yeah. not having that much fun with the combat. But it wasn't bad though, like, right? Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad, but but. Let's let's dig into that a little bit more. Yes. Where what what was so not great about it? What what made you kind of just lose interest? Despite how is it? First of all, how is it different? And then yeah. why don't those changes have more of an effect? So in the original games, it was basically just button mashing. It mm-hmm. was you know you attack, 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 parry. Yeah. Uh, so you would like just keep attacking. They would come in. You'd block that. Attack, 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 kill. Everyone in Assassin's like, oh my gosh, even the earlier ones, it was crazy. You could just wipe out everyone. Then you would yeah. get the skill where it was like the chain instant yeah, kill. Yeah, yeah, Remember yeah, that? Yeah, that was nuts. <laughs> so now, you know, it feels bad always bringing up Dark Souls now. It's to a point where it's like, I'm I'm feeling the fatigue. I, I feel bad about it too. Every, like, I feel bad. It's, Sorry. Because, because it's, it, it would be one thing if it was yeah. only us always bring up Dark Souls, but yeah. I feel like everywhere you look, oh, there's yeah. a comparison to Dark Souls. And yeah. so it's just like, we gotta just we gotta we find gotta, yeah. better comparisons. There yeah. are other games, out there. yeah. But no, it's okay. It's but it okay. went with it, it. went with that with like the R one, R two, light yeah. attack, heavy attack, the lock on the target, and you can like dash around. So there's more, uh, there's more tools. There's more yeah. engagement there. The problem was, is that I still 
button mashed the entire game. It didn't matter. So Nothing give me, matters. Give me your setup. Give me a typical combat encounter for Michael Huber and typical, Assassin's Creed Origins. Typical combat encounter. Get like... I really liked the sickle swords. There, there's like some yeah. cool weapons. I really like the spear. Basically, whatever weapon I had. <laughs> right. Whatever it was. R1, 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 R1. Yeah. And you're just, you're just, are you just staggering and then, enough that and then like a shield, and then a shield guy would come in. R2, R1, 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 R1. Sure. Um, now, now the- okay, but, but, Hold, let, sorry. I, I want then, because I know there's going to be some defenders. Well, you know, like, if the enemy's like higher level, like it's harder. That stuff feels so artificial mm-hmm. where it's like, so we're on the same level and I just mow you down. Yeah. But if you're two levels higher than me, I do no damage and you kill me in one hit. So that's not like a challenge to me. That's not good game design. That's like, oh, you're not high enough level. So don't attack that guy. Yeah. Come back later. You know, the core fundamentals of the combat is when each character is on the same level. Well, and and if and, you and were, that's button mashing. Uh, if you're comparing to Souls, of my experience with Souls, like you can level yourself up all day, but if matter. you don't get those mechanics down, exactly. you're not gonna. That's, that's true. You're not gonna get very far. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I did a preview of Assassin's Creed, and the thing that I got is that they're like, hey, there are different difficulty levels in this game. Mm-hmm. Does, does that make a difference? Did you mess around? I put it on hard, and it was the same. same thing. Okay. You have, to, you have to dodge maybe like a couple times, and you're. Good. So, so I've been playing the game. I think I'm, I think I'm level seven mm-hmm. is the level that I'm at. So I'm still, still fairly early on. But uh, between the preview where I was a higher level, uh, I started at level fifteen, I think, um, and going up to level seven here, I feel like I've, I've played a, a fairly solid amount of Assassin's Creed Origins, and, and I'm still, I'm, I'm running into the exact thing that you're describing, with some additions on top of that, where I'm getting in these fights, and I will say that. If it's one-on-one, it's no problem. Yeah. Like you said, you can just kind of R1 your way through it. Yeah. To the point where it's like, man, I, I got this parry thing, and I can do it, and it is useful, but I, I just don't need to. I unlocked it. I never used it. What I will say <laughs> I is there, there have been moments where it's it's harder. Because what was annoying about earlier Assassin's Creed, and I do think this is a step up from that, yeah. is like you would get this huge crowd around you, and they would wait. You'd have like, right. it's yeah. like, why, why are you all waiting to attack me? Yes. Why are you all going in a... And so here they will swarm you. Yeah. And so when I when I get surrounded by three guys, five guys, whatever it is, um, they do hit hard. At least where I'm at right now, like they mm-hmm. can take me down pretty quickly. So I I can't. It's it's a little bit more difficult to R one my way through it. But I feel like my bow is so powerful, and like it's so easy to just kind of like there's a lot of at least where early on there's a lot of uh, shrubbery around, so I can just go up, whistle, knock them out. See the guys up there, scout them out with my eagles, shoot them yeah. with my bow. So I like I thin them out enough yeah. that if I do get seen, I can just kind yeah. of run like, my way through it. And stealth is a lot better now. Like you can't instant kill a lot of guys like you used to. It's not a no matter what kill. Yeah. So like that that's really cool. I like that change. Uh, again, I just want to drive home that it's not bad. And I do think it is an improvement. It is an improvement. And I think that should be said. It's yeah. not bad, but my mind went numb. After like the sure. three thousandth R one push, yeah, but and and that's really like, you know, aside from technical difficulties, of course, because I ran into quite a few technical problems. Aside from that, and the combat, everything else, I, I really love. Run into I love this video yet. game. You yeah. play it on PS four? I'm playing on PS four. Okay, I play um, it on Xbox One X. Okay, and you, what what kind of things were you running into? Just slow down, chop, uh, like texture pop in the use, the use, the use. Brandon, 
Uh, my next complaint. I'm gonna need you to tell me whether this is this is just just a me thing. Okay. Uh, as somebody who who plays a lot of these games, and I don't mean that as a slight. I mean this is like you you like this, and that's cool. Uh, the thing that I'm running into with Assassin's Creed is you have a lot of you have a lot of flexibility with what you can do. I would say a lot of time it's like, hey, do you want to go climb up this tower and get this point so you can use it for fast travel? Do you want to go to this place and get treasure and take out all the guys? Do you want to go do all these various side missions which you need to do to get up to the recommended level for doing the main missions? But there's there's this sort of sameness that I'm getting. Like I'm going to these different outposts, and it's just like this is a like maybe yeah. this is a cave instead of an outpost. But I'm just like kind of going into it blends it exactly. All I'm, blends. I'm getting some blending. Yeah, where uh, I like technically different, but feeling very similar. Where I'm sort of taking the same method and just applying it to different things. Mm-hmm. Is that is that okay with you? Is that just kind of like the consequence of having open worlds or is there a better way to, to spice it up? Yeah, I don't know. I, I have to really explore kind of what specific elements are, are like whether it's like the architecture or like the people or just kind of like the, the atmosphere in these environments is, is very yeah. different. Um, yeah, I kind of felt that way with Just Cause 3, like a game I was having like a ton of fun with. And uh, they actually made a point to make the little set- settlements where you go into like the villages and the towns people live in a lot more diverse than they were in Just Cause 2. <laughs> but yeah, after a while, it was just kind of like ah, another base. Here we go. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, it's um, I think that. Uh, I think Breath of the Wild really kind of shook up the format, and, and I think, three too, and I think, and yeah, I really explored, enjoyed exploring Horizon as well. Horizon. I think they did some things that uh, my my the one moment that was so funny to me and it happened live. You can go to Easy Allies Plays and look it up when I when I when I streamed Breath of the Wild. Um, I was going to ask them a question because I couldn't figure out the salesman that gives you all the spooky stuff. I couldn't figure out why he wasn't giving me new stuff because I hadn't done any of the dungeons yet. I was saving that for later. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, every time you do a dungeon, his his uh, inventory opens up. And I was like, ah, got it. And I mentioned it in the classic delay in Twitch. You mentioned something, and then by the time you're actually doing it, chat's like, don't right. do that. And you're like, oh, sorry, the delay. And so I started climbing up this cliff uh, uh, outside this, this village, and I was asking the question, and it, they brought it up in chat where they are like, you can't. And I was like, oh. And I was climbing up the cliff, and I'm like, "Well, I don't need to go up there now because that's why I was asking that." And so I just climbed up to the ledge, and I was like, "And I was like, well, I didn't need to climb up here, Korok seed." And like found it, and it was like, "This is some silly little thing that's like one extra, one little blip on the radar of my progression." But like, mm-hmm. ah, and like, and I was like, "That little emotion I felt there, what was that? Like, don't why don't, mean. why don't I get that when I find a tower in Assassins?" Mm-hmm. And I think it does have like a proceduralness to it like it's right. the kind of way I have to do this I'm doing homework right now before I just like get to the meat of the stuff that I want to do and I do I like games like Hitman I like games like Assassins and so like the tower stuff never really bothered me in the past because it felt like that's what that's what Agent 47 would do he would go to the environment where he was going to do a hit and just walk around yeah. and like sit in a chair and watch people and watch their patterns and so like climbing up to an area and looking over at stuff like I kind of dug that it felt like the process of of someone that's, that doesn't live here going to a new town of Absorbing, you know, what that vibe was like. Like, what, what, what is this area like in the morning, in the day? What's the best time to do this assassination? Um, I don't like rushing through open world games because I, I, I feel that I, I kind of get distanced from the character because I'm not living their life. I'm not actually going through this environment the way they would. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like moving. You know, it, it felt weird to me whenever there was like a heist mission, and I would, whenever somebody would be like, "Hey, in a couple days we're going to do this heist. Get ready for it." And then I can go do that heist right now if I want. And it felt weird just running right into it. And they're like, "Okay, so," and it's like, "Wouldn't this be a couple days later, really?" You know. Yeah. So like, I tr- I try to separate things a little bit to create that believability in the world. Sure. Um, but at the same time, a lot of people who have played the same open world game that I played 
uh, have been like, man, I made it about 30% through the campaign, then I just started goof- doing goofy stuff. I just don't care. Yeah. And so I, I, that's something that, as an open world fan, I, I completely understand that uh, this you can just, all the, it can blend. All the stuff can just kind of uh, seem extremely similar. I have and to- so kudos to, to, to Breath of the Wild for making something seem seemingly so innocuous, but such a treat, such a reward yeah. for going into some weird patch of trees. And like, oh, look at that thing. I have to wonder if it's the amount of information presented. Um, because I think about Hitman and I think about Breath of the Wild, which I think were two very good examples that you brought up. In both of those games, uh, like in Breath of the Wild, there there are always obvious points that you can go to. Like, if you, if you need an objective, the game will make clear an objective for you to chase after. Yeah. But it does so extremely sparingly. Most of the stuff that you can find, you really kind of have to go out of your way to work for. And the same is true of Hitman, where it will give you, like, some ideas for how to kill people, kind of guide you through. But there's so many... There's so much potential there, so much that it won't tell you mm-hmm. that as you're kind of going after that guy's stuff, you kind of have that that dopamine of discovery as well. Not everything's laid out where I feel like a lot of time I'm looking at a map of Assassin's Creed, it's like, I know what I'm getting into. Check I the know box. where I'm checking the boxes. Um, so, yeah, but what I want to say is I, I don't. I'm not hating on Assassin's exactly. Creed. I don't want <laughs> it's, it's a warm blanket. It is. Well, like I, I just I really want to drive home. You know, we've been mostly negative, but. I really like it. Yeah, I, I really, really do. I, it's it like I open really world, like Jones. It, but I, yeah. I like you it. You know, well, just the, diving the, in and 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 the world. The world is cool. looks gorgeous. That's, so there are two <laughs> there are two big points that, that I want to bring up pretty, for pretty, pretty for praise, and that is the that is the the world. The, yeah. Just going through the world, the amount of detail that they have is mm-hmm. insane. Like there have been moments, like just I remember the very beginning of the game where you're going and you have you, like these crumbling giant statues or these other statues just towering over you mm-hmm. and this like sand falling down. Like the detail is insane that it makes you excited to go to new places, to go to new areas, to see what's but there, then, to climb on things. But then you'll go in like some back alley and you'll just see people who are like, the right. people look a little yeah. stiff. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, what? Um, but... Curious to throw this at you. Uh, in the in the preview that I did, I was like, I'm not sure how to feel about Bayek. I can say now, I like Bayek. Love it. And I think there are there are several good things that they really do with Bayek that I love that I, I think they've struggled with in past Assassin's Creed games. So uh, Bayek uh, kind of reminded me of Connor, where he, he has this sort of similar nature where he's kind of no-nonsense. Um, but what I like about Bayek over Connor is... Just because he's no nonsense and because he's like very task oriented, like, no, we're gonna do this, we're gonna get this done, doesn't mean he's not emotional. Yeah. Like he is a man of like passion and rage yeah. and like the way that he presents his conviction for killing these people, you buy into it. Yes. And then it's not just but it's not empty rage because they they do such a great job, and I don't wanna spoil it, of showing you your relationship with his son and how much his son means to him, mm-hmm. and then show you how awful the people who are killing you can be, and so I'm just I'm way into Bayek. Like I yeah. want to see this this and task Aya. of vengeance through. Aya hype. So I haven't really done much with Aya yet. Okay. So uh, yeah, she's cool, but I'm excited. But you super cool. So what's cool about Aya? Uh, just the like their their relationship. Yeah, you know, and like her also being a badass and like having her conviction, but you okay. know, channeling it in a different way. So how does she? How does she separate herself from Bayek, who is kind of without, a badass? As without well. spoilers, it's like Bayek wants to get it done himself, oh, where she kind of chooses something bigger than okay. herself to kind of get behind. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, you were describing 
Assassin's Creed is a little bit of Origins is a warm blanket. I don't know if you wanted to elaborate that at all or if you're ready to move on. It's, that, it's that familiarity, you know, and it's that hard line of, of being a video game reviewer, you know. It's, mm-hmm. it's the combat was mediocre. Right. So, you know, and then there's some other problems. So it's like, all right, this is a mediocre game. But at the core, you know, inside of me, I'm like, hey, yeah. I'm having so much fun playing right. this video game. Like, I love, you know, finishing a quest, leveling up. Like, the XP and all that is, is engaging throughout. Again, mm-hmm. I, I realized I didn't really need the skills you get, but you need the level, obviously, because if they're higher level, you can't really progress easily. Right. So, like, when you level up, it's cool because it's like, all right, I can do more stuff now. Yeah. And basically, the Destiny loot, I thought Mm -hmm. I was extremely nervous at first because I was like, here we go again. Is this going to be another loot loot. barrage? Just like loot, 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 loot. But it actually spaces it out kind of nice. It's Mm -hmm. like, wow, I thought I was going to be picking up way more things than I was going to pick up. But I kind of agree with you. It's not overwhelming. It's not overwhelming, which I thought was really cool. And then you get like different outfits and, you know, different mounts and then you can find like you know legendary ones in a in a temple or by doing some side quest. That's always fun. So, uh, Hubert, one of my favorite like sort of sayings, sort of not movement, but like ideas that you really got behind that I think resonated with all of us, and I still think is super important is is the swimming in sevens or championing sevens. Yeah. Where like it, the thing is, is like it. I don't think. You, by you saying you enjoy Assassin's Creed Origins, that you really liked it, that you're glad you played, you played through it and you're still excited mm-hmm. about Assassins, but I have all these criticisms, yeah. lessens your love or enjoyment of that game. Like, a game can be a seven and you love it. I love it. Yeah. You love I it. I had a blast. I think if you see a three and a half stars from Easy Allies in a franchise you care very much about, go get it. Absolutely. Yeah, that. That's basically what we're saying, is that like we're yeah. there's so much frustrating here that we can't ignore. But, man, if you're into it. But I think that's for a lot of people, first-timers, a lot of people getting into games or people... Right. There's a lot of franchises out there. For someone like me getting into Persona. Yeah. If you were to give Persona 5 a 7, I'd be like, eh, maybe right. this isn't the game for me to jump in. Whereas, like, you know, I, everybody's golf gets a great score, and it's like, okay, let's yep. ju- it's time. Yeah. It's time to get back into this, you know, so... And this is a crazy year, and open worlds have evolved in the last couple of years. This you know? year is insane for so. open worlds. At the beginning of the year, I was like, I think at the end of the year, I want to do like a video piece where I explore like the different open world games. I went, yeah, screw that. I mean, there's... <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. It's too Ow. much. What? Jones, I want to watch Especially that right here at the end. I know, I want to make it. so cool. Like, we're a series, you know, do like 10 or 20 minutes on each game and kind of talk oh, about Jones. what they could learn from the other, you know, and like, yeah. Dude. Yeah, what it could have, should have. <laughs> yep. Putting the foot down. I like it. Uh... Moving on, these last two games, uh, I don't want to spend too much time on them. I'm sure we'll return to them, um, just because I feel like I've played them. Like I finished Wolfenstein, I've played some of South Park. Uh, I have Stick of Truth written down, but Fractured Butthole mm. is what I've played, and so I, I just kind of want to give brief thoughts on that. I think the Damiani doesn't even try with the title. No, he brought it up or something. And he was like, "So I played the Fractured Butthole," <laughs> and we're like, "Yeah, I mean, it sounds like that, but." That's what they're going for. That's what it is. What it is. I try to not say butthole as much as possible when I say it. I, I actually but almost yeah. I, I actually almost like if you go back and listen to that review, like I really try. To I, be, like, I try butthole. to separate those syllables. As Keep much it as classy. I can. Um, Huber, you have played uh, some Wolfenstein too, which I want to uh, mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. across. Like, <laughs> listen, man. 
We've been saying this a lot, and so this this I understand that this is kind of hollow phrasing, but I think maybe when I back it up a little bit more, it'll be a little bit more convincing. Uh, we're in a year of a lot of great games, a lot of games that I feel like were tailor-made just for me, <laughs> and I knew I was going to like Wolfenstein 2 because I love New Order, and I, I, I really love the direction that they took with it, how different it felt from all the other shooters out there. Do you remember when game trailers gave uh, Far Cry we, 4? We do not speak of such dark times. <laughs> Shooter of the year? We do not <laughs> speak Open of such of words, dark baby. times. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, what I want to get across of, of Wolfenstein 2 is it really blew my expectations out of the water. It, it wasn't just that I liked it, that, that what it managed to accomplish in so many different ways, like sent me over the moon and it is like one of my favorite games of the year. Hell yeah. Like I can't imagine this year ending and it not being like in top three. Yeah. I love it. To death. I'm like only three, four hours in because I wanted to beat Mario first. Yeah. Um, I think I'm about the same thing actually. Yeah. yeah. So dove in. There's going to be more to talk about and it's, it's frustrating with Wolfenstein too uh, because it's so much of what I love comes from the story and comes yeah. from the characters. Uh, but what I want to start with is I think you would both agree that the new order made BJ Blazkowicz a more interesting protagonist than probably you thought he was going to be. Yeah. I think that that's fair for both of you. Yeah. In Wolfenstein 2, I was like, oh, they're just going to keep this cool arc of BJ going. They, they, they don't just develop that character. They like bake him in a pie and present <laughs> him to you, and it's absolutely delicious. And it's weird saying that because uh, kind of his past is so horrifying. But this is a this is a character, and like you hear a lot of heroes make speeches in video games, and to me it always rings a bit hollow. Where it's like, okay, this is the point in the game where we're confronting the villain. They got to say these words about how everybody has to band together to do the thing, and move on. It doesn't really make me emotional. Mm-hmm. There are speeches <laughs> in Wolfenstein 2 that BJ has where I was getting emotional because every word he was saying, you the performance was amazing. Yeah. First of all, the performance was amazing. And second of all, it was like, no, this hatred that you feel, this anger, this doubt, you've shown me painstakingly. <laughs> you've gone out of your way to not like to fill in these holes that like by the time that we get here, like this this speech is cathartic for me. I've been waiting for this moment. And it, it's so powerful. It's so powerful to have this character really you're just so on board with what they're fighting for because they, they, they there's no there's no pretense to it. It's like every word that they're saying rings true because you've seen the suffering. Mm-hmm. You felt it. And uh, that is like I haven't felt this way in a first person shooter. I, I mentioned this on Slack. I haven't felt this way in a first person shooter since Half Life Two. Like there were scenes that I was in where I was in Half Life Two that, that got me really emotional because like the way that it presented this world and I got similar vibes with that here. Um, and that extends to the supporting cast. Uh, I think Grace specifically deserves a, a big mention. Uh, she's somebody that comes in, and she has this totally like different place that she's coming from, from BJ. And uh, she has her own thing that she's fighting for, and she has her own relationships that she deals with. Like she's this she's this woman who comes aboard this vessel, and like th- people are talking crap to her, and she just doesn't back down. She just out crap talks them, <sighs> but it doesn't feel like too gimmicky or jokey it's just it's like fired off with such speed and with such wit and with such like savagery that you're like oh no you're just like holding your ground in a really convincing way Mm -hmm. um and yeah it's 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 a game that made me uncomfortable at points genuinely made me uncomfortable i mean obviously obviously you're fighting nazis there's 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 a lot of uh it can be uncomfortable depending on how it's presented but it goes way farther than that um this is a game that 
seems like it wants to make you uncomfortable. That it's like, no, like really think about what we're doing here. And uh, I don't think in terms of that, in terms of like thought I was putting into the story, like I really love the story in Nier. I really love the story in Persona 5. But I think just like roller coaster rise of emotions like this, maybe it's just because I'm still fresh off it and I need to reflect more. But this is like right up there with it. And uh, I, I said this about Nier 2. And I say this about Yakuza, but no matter how dark it gets, boy, this game is good at finding the moments to crack a joke. And they're really yeah. funny jokes. Yeah. Um, and, what, and what it's also, um, when you think of joke, you think of like, well, I'm going to have a character say something and then another character respond to them in a funny way. That's right. one way to do it. Yes. But there's visual gags. There's yes. even just um, set, even just set's character and the, 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 the words that he chooses to say in Hebrew yep. are hilarious. It's They're hilarious. Like, it's like, why was that funny? Why would yep. you, you know, it's a, but it, like, it's just so true to his character. Mm-hmm. And so he can be, they can all be talking about something extremely serious. And somebody can say something, it can be a glance or somebody referencing something that, oh, yeah, you went through that before. Right. Um, and so uh, even just those little tiny, you know, moments of levity, you know, go a long way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, the game is an incredible balancing act. And a lot of this is me reflecting on New Order because I have not uh, mm-hmm. uh, gotten very far into um, New Colossus yet. Uh, but it, it's incredible how how much they uh, your typical first person hero that has to go through a lot. You imagine like the the what, what do they get into the Doom protagonist a lot? No, do they really identify him. Yeah, no. But you imagine this guy's a hard ass. This guy yeah. probably looks like a linebacker, the Marcus Phoenix of the gaming world. You know, just somebody right. who like can literally take like a shotgun blast to the chest and survive. You know, it's just so ripped, yep. so like larger than life. You know, Blaskowitz is like probably like six four. He's just a huge imposing guy. Um, and you kind of need that for this whole thing to work, for you to believe that this person is capable of going through and taking all of this punishment and, and surviving and getting on the other end of it. Right. And I think a lot of shooters just kind of distance themselves from the character because they realize, like, the more humanity I give this person, the, the, the less it'll be realistic that they're capable of doing this kind of stuff. Yep. So if I don't give them so much of a voice, you can kind of Im- implant your own personality into it and enjoy it. If you want to take it seriously, great. You can in your own way. You can come up with your own narrative. If you don't and you just want to run through hell and beat up demons, then like, yeah, it's just some soldier guy. It doesn't matter. Right. And I can't, it's astounding how they do all of it. Yep. You know, they, they create this person that I believe can survive this stuff. They make it kind of funny and make it c- crushing at the same time. Yep. Put me in scenarios where like I'm weeping or, you know, have some sequence where I'm just given all these crazy guns into this crazy thing and then three minutes later I'm on a couch talking with somebody yep. in this really down to earth scene that's very realistic that's kind of like this time period we live in now is super out of control but very possible but maybe not but this threat is real but also funny it's 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 unbelievable how many balls they're juggling at yep. the same time and to, to the point that I've gotten so far I have, don't really drop any narratively yeah. Yeah. very I- impressive very, very hard oh, to do. Oh, there are things I want to say, but we'll save it for, for a later date. Hubert, early on, uh, what what is the kind of feeling that you've gotten so far? Uh, it's what I expected. Uh, I'm I'm bummed the perk system is back. We talked about it a little bit. Sure. Uh, it's the only negative I had with uh, New Order. and yeah, Which I didn't really notice that much. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. You make a good point, but yeah, yeah. it didn't... Uh... It just feels unnecessary. Like, yeah. don't force me to play a way I don't want to play. I'm yeah. obviously trying to get these skills that you've put into the game yeah it's like okay i guess i have to use dual wield because that's the the only thing that's really gonna like level up right now with my the weapons i have i remember so i'm gonna dual wield and get some headshots oh well now i want to like run in and melee these guys even though normally i would just like shoot them down a hallway so that Um, that, I, i just feel like forced into a play style that i 
don't want to play like. So when you said that about New Order, yeah, and I and it like I was like, no, he's really right. Like there were there were moments where there were things that he had to get for the person. I was like, I'm just never going to do that. The only mm-hmm. reason I would do that is uh, to get that. Mm-hmm. I'm and I I can imagine you kind of being bummed that it yeah. returns. But they do they do trim it down. Cool. Like it's it's not it's not as much as before. And I was finding that I didn't really have to go out of my way for a lot of it. Okay. Where the cool. situations that the game was presenting, it's like, nope, this is a horde, like I need to do wield here. Like I would just be naturally responding to the situation and getting perks. Cool. Or where it's like, oh, this is a big area I can totally stealth. I'm naturally getting I'm gonna put it out so, of my mind. I'm yeah. not even gonna I'm not even gonna look at that tab anymore. Uh, but I'm not <laughs> maybe 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 other people feel that way, and maybe you'll feel that way when you finish the game. But there is one other thing is you'll eventually unlock sort of like these side missions that you can do where you fly to a particular location mm-hmm. and you can just go and you can assassinate this dude. And they're, they're not main missions. It's like, he, it's it's almost like, hey, do you want to buff yourself up? You can go yeah, here. Yeah, really curious to see how those right. play out. Right, and so I wonder if maybe that will alleviate some <laughs> of it where it's like I kind of have this, if I want to do it, I kind of have these avenues that cool. I can go where I'm, I can just focus on that stuff specifically. I so actually had a funny moment because Bossman was here working on the podcast or something. Uh, we were yeah. going to shoot something. And I was in the booth reading that. And I got out of the booth finishing that VO. And he's in the back. And he just says, like, through the door, he's like, did you say assassination missions? Yeah. And I'm like, I did. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, huh. Not what I expected to be in that game. Right, right. Um, and it, yeah, it's, it's cool, I think. Um, because I was in, like... The thing is, I think when you talk about like narrative-heavy first-person shooters, I feel like eventually the story is always like, yeah, I really like Bioshock, but I'm not so into the shooting. Or I really like... Uh, I've even seen people say that about Half-Life 2, or I really like Half-Life 2, but I'm not so into the shooting. And I, I, I just... I don't think the same argument can be made with Woman's Sign do, because God, do I love the shooting. <laughs> like it's, it's such like vague language, but it's so fast and tight mm-hmm. and like... Man, you just feel it like the way the weapons sound and feel as you're firing them, the way enemies react, how useful all the weapons are, uh, the weapon upgrades that you get. Like, none of the weapons that I encountered had a lot of upgrades, but when I did those upgrades, it's like, no, this is this is way more useful now or way different than before. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, getting the, the scope on the assault rifle and then getting, like... Uh, armor piercing on it. it's like man I can take down really big things that would have been a pain in the butt with this gun before yeah. um, and so it, it feels substantial and like it's just so much fun to play like I think you could have a much 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 weaker narrative than you have in Wolfenstein 2 yeah. and this would still be a very yeah. good game I, I think they good do a good job skills. too with enemies and weapons that mm. because I, you uh, to, uh, you encounter weapons a lot of times because they're held first by an enemy that you encounter right. and so like you'll go into an area and like oh whoa that guy just took me out really quickly with whatever the heck that was and so it's so gratifying to finally get over take him out he yeah. drops it and then you're like oh oh yeah so like the, the lasers like grabbing dude, that laser for the yes, first time yes, and, then a, and then another laser guy yep. shows up and you're like I got a laser too man like Wolfenstein 09 <laughs> the Tesla gun was yeah. one of my favorite weapons in first person history you talk about it a lot this laser gun <laughs> one ups it really oh, nice the, okay the, i was just gonna say i gotta play with the it's insane but, okay yeah it's it's, it's extremely and when those guys charge you and like yep. against the wall dude and you just you sidestep them and yeah blast it's them. so cool it's really good when that dude it was so hilarious because one of those guys rocket boosted at me pinned me against the wall and killed me and then said you should have seen the look on your face because in real life i was like <laughs> like before he said and then he said it I was like this game's in my head yeah <laughs> it's in my head right now it knows what you're thinking oh it was great 
Um, the level design too, and I can't wait for you guys to play more. Uh, so in New Order, there was there was something that definitely graded on me. Do you remember that sort of cutting utensil that you had? Yeah. Where it's oh, like, yeah. all right, yeah. so you get through here. Now you, you got to cut a square in the fence, and now you can go through the fence. And like it was cool at first. I remember being yeah, like, yeah. oh, this is neat manipulation of the environment. But eventually, I got tired of it, and it's like I just feel like you're carrying this thing more than you need to carry it. Like we can mm-hmm. let this go. Well, design two, in my opinion, does not have that problem. Like. Every mission, it feels like they're throwing you, like, all right, we're really going to contract the space. We're really going to expand it here. We're going to give you this thing to worry about. We're going to give you that thing to worry about. It's just, like, throwing so many new things at you that, it, like, it's a hard game to put down because of yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really commend them. I think I think the, the level design and that sort of stuff is just is a pretty significant step up. Never a dull moment, order. for sure. Yeah. I got kind of yeah. disoriented in, the um, like, the New York ruins early mm. on. Just got a little disoriented, but okay. I don't. I don't remember. I, I think it was me, man. It was operator error, but I was like wandering uh, around in circles for a little bit. Sure. I was like, where am I going here? Uh, sure. Because I like that though. That like yeah. when you bring up the hint thing, it's like go over there, duh, gone. Yeah. It's like whoa. I feel and like it doesn't want you to use it. You, <laughs> you think know? so? Like yeah. it's just like it's like okay, it's over fine. There, but, yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel I was actually uh, playing. Uh, uh, I, I played a couple hours of Wolf in Seconds, so I was getting music for the review, mm-hmm. and I felt bad because I was kind of rushing through it because I'm like, oh, I want to get to the big boss encounters, I want right. to get this game playing the tunes. And when we first got to the submarine, I was like, I don't have time. Oh, that room is cool. Ah! Yeah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> just like, like oh, the submarine boat is really cool. Yeah, yeah. there are. Um, uh, it's yeah. There's just so many. You go into a room and there's just like, oh, I don't want to read all these stories on the wall and, and Dude, all the context for stuff. Uh, can you do a side quest spoiler? Like really early? Can Whoa. I ask you about side quest spoiler? Can I ask you about Huber. something? All right, as long as we flag it, early yeah. Wolfenstein so 2 early. side quest spoiler. Gonna give it five. Okay, yeah, four, I'll raise my hand while he's talking about three, it. Three, two, go. Where's the potato? The potato for the pig. Oh, I don't know. I didn't didn't feed the pig. Oh, okay. Didn't feed the pig. Okay. Can't answer that question. Gotta find that damn potato. Um, I would search for I an did, hour. I man. did other side quests, but I, well, I think what I happened for an hour. is I was like, all right, feed the pig. I'm assuming because I'm going to be going all over this place that I'll eventually just find it. Yeah. And I kind of put it in the back of my mind. And I never like actively searched for it, but yeah. I also didn't like passively come across yeah. it either. I probably missed it somewhere obvious. But Damn. Yeah, I didn't feed the pig. Okay. <laughs> uh, I have a. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call it a complaint. But mm. this game pisses me off <laughs> when I die, man. Like, every, like, like I find like a lot of other games when I die, I'm just kind of like, okay, well, that was on me. You know, I yeah. fell over. Like, well, that war chief in Shadow War really got the best of me. Almost every time I will die, I will decide, it's like, oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> what? All right, okay. You know, I'll spend, I'll spend like, a really time. I really want to see you like, do that. <laughs> like, fuming. Because um, it's a hard game. There's just a lot going on. Like, you get yeah. flanked very, very easily. There was one part in that rubble where there's this weird, like, staircase area where it was, like, first floor to second floor to third floor. And I couldn't. I'm like, where am I? Sp- where do you want yeah, me to go yeah, here? Like, yeah. It's like, well, not, like, trying to, not trying to find which way I needed to go to progress the level. Yeah. But there's just a lot of bad guys in this room. And yeah. it seemed like every spot I stopped to be like, okay, let me shoot the- some guy with shotgun. Like, oh, yeah. come on. Yeah. Like, um, I, I played it's kind of a love-hate thing. You know, it's like, I, I want the game to to push me you know like the the difficulties are called like hurt me daddy you know it's just that kind of bethesda uh mentality i don't remember what the difficulty setting was (laughs) named but i played through that game beginning to end in the the one that was like the medium difficulty for experienced gamers bring them on is it was it bring them on because there was one that was the medium difficulty for casual gamers yeah yeah and then there was medium difficulty i'm I'm the next stop down okay 
so I played the medium difficulty for experienced gamers, and like they just chew through your health so quickly. <laughs> yeah. And that's again something that I like about it so much is mm-hmm. you just you you. It's not just about shooting good; it's about moving and shooting good. Yeah. And you really have to get those two skills down. I remember those starting and just dying and dying and dying, and like eventually learning. And I got into a rhythm where I was like fluidly dodging guys, hitting that guy, being like, okay, that guy's behind me. Like, I just felt myself getting so much better because of how effectively it was pushing against me. And, uh, Jones, I think you'll overcome that hurdle as well, and it'll yeah. feel yeah. real good. And, and again, yeah. I was talking about the balance. Like, yeah. then it makes sense when he, like, finally gets to a cutscene and Blasco, it's like, pulls himself out of a hole and is like, ugh, yeah. like, right there with you, man. Yep. <laughs> it, it should be tough. Yes. It should be brutal. Uh, mm-hmm. you, should, you should bleed a lot to get through it. Um, my iPad is dying. Uh, That's worrying. All right, moving on. Uh, anything else you want to say about Wolfenstein? Um, yeah, I haven't, I'm, I'm not that early. not that far in. Yeah, I'm too early. Um, I love it. I just want to talk really, really briefly about South Park: The Fractured But Whole. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't play Stick of Truth, and so before Fractured But Whole came out, uh, I started it up a little bit, and I was like, "Man, this is really good." I feel so bad that I didn't play this. It was just. Super, super funny, but uh, Fractured Butthole came out, and I wanted to play a little bit of it, and I'm, I don't know, probably a few hours in, a handful of hours in, like maybe five or six, and uh, this game is really fun. Really, really, really fun. Yeah. Um, the the jokes that it tells, uh, some of, like, the way that it hits you out of nowhere and how much ground it's covering and how effectively it's covering, like, it's not just making fun of the typical South Park things. It is a game that commentates on, like, the shittier aspects of games or game culture. And I feel like any time, almost any time that that's done, it feels a little forced. Like, hey, yeah. look at us. We can poke at ourselves. Right. But it does, like, Fractured Butthole does it with, like, so savagely that you're like, oh, yeah, man, you're right. Like, that that sucks. Um, and obviously because it's superhero-focused, it does a pretty good job of, of nice. making fun of the superhero oh, stuff as God, well. I love it. Um, and in Stick of Truth, the combat was uh, turn-based and very like timing-focused. Like you could you could parry and do all that stuff. Here you're on a grid, mm-hmm. uh, and like really striking a good balance between depth, but not like an insane amount of numbers or things that you have to consider. Like strategy there, where you can you're on this grid and you can knock back dudes into other dudes. You can hit multiple squares at at different points. Um, you need to be within a certain position to heal your allies. Uh, you, if you time a button press right, you can build up your super meter faster. Um, like not crazy complex, but enough, like more than I was expecting. Um, and so I'm really getting a lot of enjoyment out of that. I'm at a point now where I uh, can multi-class. So I'm, I'm like, Cartman was like, hey, your backstory sucks. Yeah. I was a blaster hero. And he's like, you need, you need to take on something else, man. And uh, so now I'm like a cyclops or uh a cyborg, not a cyclops, a cyborg and a blaster. And it's cool because I only have so many slots for abilities and I have to choose between those two classes. And like even early on, uh, that was a pretty cool thing to to throw in there. But yeah, uh, it's funny. It's, it's a good time. And, you know, it's South Park. So you, I think you have certain expectations for how they shock you. But it being a video game, like a lot of video games don't go for the same shock value that, that South Park does. And so there are moments where I'm like, oh, man, I can't believe they got away with that. Um, and that's pretty that's pretty entertaining as well. I don't want to spend too much time on it because I want to get Damiani in here or I want to get another alley on here to, to bounce off of. And obviously I want to finish it. 
but but I'm enjoying it, and I don't think it's one that people should sleep on. Uh, if you have any affinity for South Park whatsoever, uh, I would give it a shot. I think it's a pretty cool game. I doubt I will ever get to play this game. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I didn't play Sick of Truth. I, I yeah. would need to watch 300 episodes of South Park uh, and beat Sick what, of Truth. What? Yeah. No, you don't. You can't you, just jump in. I'm not going to understand any of this. You don't need to watch every it's episode of South Park. It's all built on established lore. Like, everyone that played yeah, Sick of yes Truth no. was just like, oh my yes. god, all the nods, all the nods, all the references, all the yeah. nods. It's a game built on that. I mean, I see I see where you're coming from. I do. But, because there is. There's a lot of references to the show. Yeah. It's like, hey, you watch this, you, you get this kind yeah. of thing. There's a lot of that. Yes. But I don't... South Park, while there does there are references, I think a lot of it is just that. Uh, there are storylines, but a lot of it is just, like, so self-contained. Mm-hmm. Like, do you need to watch every episode of The Simpsons to play The Simpsons game? No, because I n- know it so intimately. You know, I, I'm just I'm so unfamiliar with South Park. I see. I'm just so, so you, you have no familiarity I've with I've seen, South Park. like, 30 episodes, maybe. I think that's enough. I think that might be enough, honestly. Mm. I mean, it's your call, and there are a lot of games. Brandon, how do you? What, well, they what? did. They did have the episode leading in, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, they, they, they there is a like pre-fractured uh, butthole episode of South Park. They did on the, for the show yeah, right before the yes. game. Right before the so game came out. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Are you a South Park fan, Brandon? Uh, yeah, I, I've dipped out of the last couple seasons. Sure, I've um, dipped in and out throughout my yeah, life as well. Uh, my yeah. brother is obsessed with that show. Okay. Loves that show. Um, yeah, that show. Um, it's interesting. You have something like Simpsons or Family Guy, and I feel they've kind of gotten like oversaturated and, and kind of like were it was difficult for them to kind of shift with the times. Whereas I feel when South Park's hit or miss for me, it's not because like well this joke's getting old or like this show's just out of touch now. It's they every single time they try a concept, it's it's a they're reaching every right. time. You know they really do something super bizarre. Yeah. And so they've just had some episodes where I'm like yeah I don't this is really funny to me or like I don't, I'm not really into this getup. And then like the next one I'll be dying yeah. I'm, like in tears. Uh, I love, love, love South Park. And I love, um, I actually, uh, I, I love South Park. I love uh, Matt and Trey even more. Uh, I think I think more than any singular thing that they've produced, I'm just so impressed by uh, the work that they do, how they handle it. Neither one of them is on Twitter. They don't care. You know, it's like, like they're not into social media. They don't need to impress people. Like they, they deliberately will throw interviews because they're just like, it doesn't matter to us. You know, yeah. like they'll do acid and go to the Oscars. Like they'll be wearing dresses and like, uh, and so I'm just, I'm so impressed. They remind me of like, I, I tried to be like that and have that kind of sense of humor when I was in high school. And it, and it made me kind of insensitive. Like I would like play pranks on people and, yeah. and, and people would kind of be the butt of the joke sometimes. And then I see South Park and I'm like, that's how you do it. Like you, you, you bring everybody in. You, you make it so it's like we're not really pointing the finger at anybody. We're pointing the finger at everybody. You right. know, like we're all dumb. Everybody in this world. If you are in South Park, you have a critical flaw. You know, even like uh, you know the, the the leads, like even Stan, like trying to stop Cartman, like has his own faults and has his own things that uh, he gets caught up on. So that's high praise for South Park. Yeah. Why aren't you gonna play? This game. Why am I not gonna? Why am I not gonna play Near Automata? Why am I not gonna play? Uh, why am I not playing Odyssey right now? Why am I not gonna play Yakuza Zero or Kiwami or Six when it comes? Listen, to- listen. If you play Yakuza Zero, I'll drop yeah. all this. Yeah. We'll just, we'll just, <laughs> yeah. we'll call well, it good. Yeah. We'll call we did. We, we streamed yeah, it for yeah, a couple but hours. You know what I mean. 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 Full you know what I mean. We'll drop the rest of you it. know the yeah. name, Majima, you, but really, yeah. Jones. You know what I mean. Um, uh, yeah, because it's really good. Yeah, I, I would want to really invest in that, and I'd want to pr- play, play Stick of Truth first. You know, okay. I'd, w- I'd want to get you know soak, soak up that. Man, whole thing. I respect it. I respect the yeah. the the needing that context. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Don't always agree with it, mm-hmm. uh, but you've you've made me more appreciative of it. You've like, made me willing to drop we've, the shackles it's a, of it. It's a give and take. It's a give and take. 
Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Y'all get a zero, dude. That's a 2017 game. That's a 2017 <laughs> game! <laughs> that game came out it's this year! I can't handle it. Why? We're going to have like 45 Goaty nominations. <laughs> What's the cap? What's yeah. the cap? Is there is there a limit? No limit. No limit, right? No For limit. nominations. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had... we Yeah. We had like we, 11 last year. Can we do year? a five-minute Game of the up. Year video? I mean, 12 last year or something crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's our Easy Allies Game of the Year, and it's five minutes long, and it's just nominations in the video. <laughs> it's nuts, man. It's nuts. All right, you all ready for some hot tag, okay? <laughs> I got to change the timestamp real quick. It was a it was a quick snap. Not my favorite Hotake. Not my least favorite. You didn't We're start me. By. You usually startle me. That's yeah, it was a need a little bit more. Bite. It was an excited one though. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm I excited felt about the enthusiasm. this. Um, because I went through I went through a process with this Hotake. Um, and I was trying to pin it down, and this is inspired by a Paris Games Week trailer that I saw mm-hmm. that I was really excited about. Mm-hmm. That I thought looked so cool. That I I was like I'm kind of been waiting for a a a like samurai feudal Japan game kind of like this at this level for a long time, mm-hmm. and that is from Sucker Punch, and that is Ghosts of Tsushima. That Ghosts of Tsushima. That's that's right, right? Yep. That's right. Okay, that's right. All right. Anyway, um, I was really really uh. High on that that trailer, and I was so excited. And I have a lot of faith in Sucker Punch. I have not played every Sucker Punch game. In fact, I haven't finished most Sucker Punch games. But my experience with them has like given me a general sense of faith in their quality oh, of yeah. work. And then I got to thinking. Then I started picking apart my own feelings, and I was like, Would I be excited if it was this level of quality, but a studio I didn't have that same faith in? If it was just somebody else, and I'd be like, game, you would be Ben. I, but bear with me here for the okay. sake. I mean, like, yeah, you're right. But bear with me here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, and what I mean by that is they didn't really give us a great sense of how you play that video game, yeah. mm-hmm. the systems that would be in place, like how you'd be moving through this world. Um, and yeah, it's a it's a totally new thing from them. There's there's not uh, like so. My question is the ultimate point that I was trying to bring is like how much of our Feelings on a game is decided before it even comes out, right? Like, just because this has Sucker Punch on it, am I just through the roof? Like, am I willing to give Mario Odyssey so much time because I decided how much I was going to like that game before it came out? And so really, that's the that's the broader point that I want to pl- talk about. And I think that plays into marketing as well, how these yeah. games are presented to us. And do you think that that is something that collectively as a group, as Easy Allies, we fall victim to, where we kind of write the story before we really have substantial, like, I can speak to this because I experienced it, uh, knowledge? Um, and how much just individually do you think you fall victim to that, if at all? This is everything to me. This this kind of cloud of like, what is this game? Like yeah. that that to me is everything. That that to me is the most fascinating aspect of the gaming industry. Um, one thing that really uh, uh, I think is fascinating compared to television and film versus video games is on the night before the film reviews come out. I really don't know. Most of the time, I have no idea. What is Wonder Woman going to be good? I I hope so, but I don't know. You know, right. it's like Man of Steel wasn't, Superman was not, in my opinion. And so it's like I was super pessimistic going into Wonder Woman. So you like get those reviews, and you're like, yes, you know, like, oh, okay, it's possible. <laughs> like we can make, we can salvage some stuff in this universe. Now I'm more excited about Justice League going into it. Mm-hmm. With gaming, I kind of know more. Like, I, like I have more kind of a, a a an opinion that I find more in this medium uh, matches my. Uh, 
opinion of a game after I've done playing it. Like, you know it's going to be good, but how good? Yeah, it's, like, yeah, it's just kind yeah. of like, is, is this one little system going to be annoying over the long haul? But it's just like, you know, is this two-hour movie going to please me? I don't know. Is Red Dead Redemption going to be two? Yes, it is. And so it's there's just there's some games that, that there's some studios that do kind of elevate to a point where I'm like, okay, this is, I know I'm going to enjoy this. I know I'm going to not regret putting that time into it. Do you think uh, a lot of that, Obviously has to do with like in a game, right? You're spending 60, 100, whatever it is, hours in Red Dead where there's so many components to appreciate. Whereas a movie, I think comparatively, there's just so much less to appreciate because of the volume of the thing. Yeah. Uh, do you think that's that's why that is? And or? so and so much you can't show in a film. There's so right. much spoiler stuff. That you're like, Ugh. like the that one expression that that person made is really all we can salvage from that scene because the rest of it is super spoily. Where you can make moments happen. Like there's a, any you know millions of different combinations that you can create yourself to cr- to make moments to sell your game. Mm-hmm. Whereas I can't as an editor or as a, a, a an advertising house or trailer house for a film. Like I can't go out and shoot another scene that wasn't in this film. You know, and just like, you know, add it in there. So I think a lot of times you'll see um, uh, kind of juggling around. You'll see the same clip pop up in multiple trailers framed a different way. So so somebody who's fascinated by this aspect of the industry, two questions for you. Are there times where you've been played, where you were led to believe you would enjoy something because of how it was presented and then it ended up being a totally different thing? Or where you were so on board for something that you ended up not really caring for? Uh, let me, I'll meditate on that. I'm, I'm okay. sure Huber wants to weigh in on this too. And like, I'll maybe, yeah, let me take a moment Huber. and see. No, no Man's Sky. You are somebody. <laughs> no Man's Sky. You are somebody, and I, I say this as the highest compliment because I think it's, I think it's a good thing. I think it is, it is good and healthy for people to try to find the good in things. I think it's okay to get excited. I think it is weird when people look down on genuine excitement and joy. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what we all want in our lives. Why are we frowning upon that? Uh, with that being said, you're somebody who understands that so well in such a good way. Uh, but do you feel like that has been turned against you in a way where you're just you're just so adamant about liking something that it uh, it that inclination betrays you? I wouldn't say it betrays me. Uh, I would say as time has gone on, though, like when I get so excited before a game comes out, like uh, Odyssey, but you okay. know, perfect example here, right? You know Odyssey is going to be five stars. You know it's going to be a 10. Do you Cannot know wait. it? You know it. How do you know it? History. Just history, the though. History, is that enough? The legacy of Mario, everything we had seen, the direction okay. they were going. You know you know it's going to be good. New Super Mario Brothers. U. The, to me, we had this conversation earlier. That's okay. a spinoff. That's a spinoff. <laughs> okay. Mainline, three through world, 64, Sunshine, Galaxy 1, 2, 3D World. It's Odyssey. funny that I even bring that up as an example because I think I like that game more than other people do. <laughs> I like the new games. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm getting you off track. But where was I going with that? Basically, I, I am like so hyped on it. I'm so excited. Like one little detail will, or one little negative stands out more. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that that was the thing we brought 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 up earlier when we were mm-hmm. talking about Mario. That was the thing I was kind of fixated on was like, oh, well, you know, it didn't really give me this, you know, so I'm kind of like maybe a little more focused on like one negative thing when I'm so hyped up about a game, like when I finally get it and it does deliver, you expect it to be great, it is great, then I think those tiny little things kind of fester and and can be a little more damaging than they would be if you were just going into the game with no expectations and blind. Maybe you would overlook that and not even worry about that. But when you're expecting greatness, yeah, the little bit of, you know, the little part that isn't great kind of stands out more for me. 
I think that was well said, and I think I can use Mario Odyssey as an example as well, uh, where maybe I'm alone in this feeling, but man, every single time I watched a new Mario Odyssey trailer, I was like, the things that they're showing in this trailer, I can't believe you can do that. I can't believe they're going here. I can't believe they're using this character in that way. I was just like, you have shown me so expertly that anything can happen. And so I think it had like a psychological effect on when I'm playing the game where it's like making the crazy things that are indeed crazy. Like if I take a step back and I think about it, it's like, no, this is, this is really creative. Uh, like I set myself up for it where yeah. I was just, I, I made the field too wide yeah. in a sense. Um, and so to spin that back around as people who are spitting opinions on games that people listen to, uh, as people who are writing reviews, is it, would it be healthier for us to, to consume less of that stuff? Is that having too much of an effect on how we're perceiving these games? I don't think so, because we're being true to ourselves, you know? When right. we're excited about Persona 5 and it delivers, then, like, something happened there. The game is great. Like, we were uh, expectations through the roof. The game comes out. We love it. You know, so I don't really see a problem with being excited and then the game delivers and it's great. I think the heart always comes first. Yeah. I think like if you're if, if I'm seeing some kind of gaming announcement, the first reaction I'm going to have always yeah. is that the hope that dream, you know, it's yeah. like that, uh, you know, that uh, the, the, the hatred towards Hubert that, oh, my God, are they about to <laughs> announce an Anamusha game? I'm watching Ghost of Tsushima and I'm like, don't you dare. Don't you dare. <laughs> this man has gotten enough dreams. <laughs> this man has Stop. gotten enough. Stop. You're gonna give me bully or something before he yeah. gets an Onimusha, or it's it's over Let's between get us. Back. Let's Listen, it. man. Uh, you're, Let's gonna, I mean, you're gonna give me a new Tenchu open world game before any of this Onimusha nonsense. I just want <laughs> Fantasy Star Online two localized. Yeah, right. I realize, you know I, mean? I realize they're fan translation. I just want an official localization before Huber gets one more damn thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, there's just always the reactions. The heart first. Oh, okay. Oh, and then the shakes and the emotions. And then you calm down. And then you start thinking analytically. Sure. And, and I think with games, it's the same thing too. Like uh, whenever I'm reviewing a game, there's always that like third, fourth inning, you know, meditation. Where I'm like, okay, now I'm four hours in. What What's going on? You know, like do I really care about this or what? Am I, is this not as exciting as I thought it would be? Uh, Shadow of War, you know, just kind of like that 20th orc I went and got and just like yeah this is very similar to the first game as far as like the actual procedure of like getting more orcs you know and like how much fun am I really having if I was not reviewing this game would I want to come back how excited am I every time I pick up the controller to get back into this world compared to other games that I've played this year um, Batman Telltale you know am I, am I giving Telltale a pass here on this game because I love Batman so much or is this an interesting story you know like how, how would a not Batman fan approach this uh, and I just think that takes time so a lot of times when you see us um, say something and you think like well they're only saying that because they're a fan the comments that we make the opinions that we have are a part of an of constantly evolving process you yeah. know like um, all the best games that we had this year my goatee has changed constantly you know yep. where I'm just thinking you know a new game pops up where it's like god I didn't it's think like, we'd be talking about that but here we are it's like this year for me has deteriorated the concept of game of the year yeah, yeah. where it's like it's like all of these rockets are shooting yeah. at this moon and just blowing it up it's like this can't. We live in and a different I, world. Now. Yeah. And I don't. There cannot yeah. be one. And I don't think us coming up with the game of the year 
for this year is like making some declarative statement where like this was the best game. Right. It's just kind of like the okay, 2017 happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's now that the, the you know the dust has settled or you know like before people start giving us amazing games, let's just shut that door. Say quiet, leave us alone for like a couple days and just figure it out and just yeah. see like where are we at now? Now in in January, what is the 2017 game of the year? So we're talking about 2017 being crazy. Let me flip this whole conversation around on you then. There's a lot that we're not playing. Yeah. There's a lot. You guys know that there's a lot. There's a lot that you want us to talk about, to do videos on that we're not playing because there's been so much. We've been, we're drowning in this pool. Um, and we have to make choices. That's just the fact of the matter. Uh, what we choose to play in our free time, what we choose to play for work, these are all choices that we're making. These are conscious decisions. And there, there's a lot that we're not playing. Uh, do you think a lot of that has to do with us sort of having a feel for a game before it comes out, watching a trailer and being like, no, nah, I don't think that's for me, and then moving on. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Should we step with a little bit more caution in that sense? Um, uh, caution meaning, well, I think, I think it is caution. That's the, the, the reason why we're not playing, you know, like Wh- some of where these do games. You, what do you think is the reason for that caution? Um, I, I think for, for me, the big thing, uh, and this might not be the answer that you're looking for, but I think a lot of this has to do with balance with the other allies. Ah. If, if six allies are playing a game, I really got a question, is it worth for me really investing in this? Yeah. Um, so I, I tend to seek out experiences that I know other allies aren't going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in some ways, it's it's nice to be that person on the panel like this that, you know, has, you know, if I had played Odyssey, it would be a much different conversation because I could chime in more on my personal experience. I haven't. Right. Um, so it, it's kind of like, yeah, what should I bring to Frame Trap? Should I play the game that they're all playing so we can have a more um, broad discussion so that I can add my own opinion to the mix? Or should I play something else to bring another game into, into, the, uh, into the forefront? So it's, it, it has less to do with my interests or how I'm expecting to have opinions about the game after the fact and more about like how can I spice up the grand Easy Allies conversation and bring some interesting things to it that uh, thank God you play baseball games, man. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know. He's not playing, you know, uh, the show to be like cool with amongst the allies, you know, for the ally cred. Yeah. You know, it's just it's something that's very personal to him. And Definitely something that I look forward I, to hearing about. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I think that way too. Uh, not probably not as effectively as you do, but there are definitely times where I'm like, okay, you know, X person has this covered. I should probably do this instead. Mm-hmm. Um, my brain definitely goes through that. But there are also times and I want to see if this is true for you as well, Brandon, where I'm like. But I'm also a human being that sometimes just wants to play games for fun. Sure. And I I can't feel guilty about that because then then this will suck. Yeah. Like I need to I need to just have moments where I'm playing something just because I want to play it, just because I want to have fun. And I think that's okay too. So do you feel that pull as well? To answer your question from before, uh, I, I, No Man's Sky might seem like low hanging fruit, and I'm not like bringing up No Man's Sky to be like those trailers lied to me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was a way different game than what I eventually got in, and I yeah. and I thought the game that they were selling in the trailers was cool, and then the game I played was cool. They were just yeah. different games. Um, sure, absolutely. Uh, Zelda this year, I was not expecting to play when I did. I I was like, yeah, I'm good. I, I don't have a Switch. We got the the Switch for GT that was here, uh, and Amanda was just like Zelda. And I'm like, okay, cool. It starts here. You can play this, and if we need it for a stream or something like that, I'm gonna have to take it away from you and, and use it for work. But if we don't need that, then you can take that on trips and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, about ten hours of, of watching her over the shoulder was about all I could take. Where I'm like, God, I got, well, I gotta play this, you know. And uh, and and that was a difference from the advertising. I thought the Breath of the Wild advertising was kind of all right 
Like it, uh, the first couple trailers weren't even trailers. It was just them, you know, like in a in a room, like you know, Miyamoto being like, "So here's Epona," you know, and showing yeah. that off. And that was like, just uh, you talk about the history. That was just not the way Zelda games were sold. Like mm-hmm. even Zelda games I was not excited about had like really big announcements. Um, and uh, it was just kind of like uh, almost like they were doing a Kickstarter for the game or something. It had this really yeah. weird vibe yeah, yeah. Uh, where they were just kind of slowly trickling out information. And it wasn't until like the very, I think like the launch trailer for Zelda was like, here we go, finally. We get this big story based drawn out um, uh, uh, showing all of the different crazy things that you can do. Whereas like the Odyssey campaign, perfect. Like all yeah. those trailers, yeah, just enough trailers, not too much. Uh, I want to I want to actually circle back around to No Man's Sky because I think that that leads into a broader point as well and ties into to last week's frame trap. But Huber, I want to talk to you because uh, you can flip this conversation right back around on me. But mm-hmm. there are times you know I'll recommend something to you and you'll be like, well, how long is it? And it's like, well, you know, it's fifty hours. And I'll be like, Ugh. Uh, does does that ever make you feel guilty? Where where like length is. Making you feel bad that, that that's like the major reason you're not playing something. With Divinity, it is. Mm-hmm. Really want to play Divinity, just too long. But I prioritize in my brain, you know, mm-hmm. the prioritize work first. And then when I do get into playing what I want to play, I mean, I know what I want to play. <laughs> you know, I know I want to play Evil Within. I know yeah. I want to play Wolfenstein. Yeah. Like, I know I want to play Near Automata. Right. So it's just. I have my list of games and I have my priority, you know, some things right. I want to play more than others and that is what I focus on and usually when I start something I will stay on it until I finish it and then move on to the next. It seems like you've just made peace with this whole thing. Cuz yeah. there's no, there's only so many hours in the day. There's yeah. only so much you can do. Right, you've just submitted. And I've submitted to it and Sorry. the biggest thing for me to get games done is to just focus on one, you know. And then move on to the next. Because, like, I have my queue, right? I have a queue in your backlog. You have a stack of games, right? It's probably, like, this big. This big. Who knows? Oh, like, like up to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, so I have my ga- my backlog, but these couple games on top yeah. are way more important than, like, all of these by a mile. So mm-hmm. it's like, all right, I just got to finish a couple of these games, you know, and then I'm good. So yeah. it, it's just all about prioritizing and using your time wisely uh jones brought up no man's sky and i think that that is a a really good thing to bring up and did uh regardless of how you feel about no man's sky whether you hate it whether it makes you super mad whether you like really enjoy it now and you have good things to say about it like that was a that whole thing was a mess it was just a (laughs) mess mess. um and i i think what they were selling is absolutely very 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 different than what we got um but that's that's a controversy that i think is like specific in that sense, but you mm-hmm. also have this whole loot box thing that I think is cover coloring people's impressions of these games before they even play them and, and giving yeah. them a bad taste in their mouth. Uh, sometimes you get that with season passes. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you get that with online connectivity or it, the game just straight up not working at launch. And so you have all these like, I feel like every year we got all these like mini explosions of controversies with games coming out that, that definitely maybe move those things in our priority list. Uh, and so my question to you, Huber, is do you think it's fair to kind of hear that stuff and be like, oh, I'm going to back away without really digging into it as somebody who covers games? Um, and secondly, how important is it to you to give that a fair shake once so it's hard. fixed? Once it's fixed. Give everything a fair shake. You know, this Shadow of War controversy came out mm-hmm. and people are just so quick and ready 
to throw grenades at it. Like, yeah. F this, F that. And it's like, a day later, Polygon did like the most in-depth, <laughs> thorough article about, they're like, everything you need to know. Here it is. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I beat the entire game. I bought like one loot box. You don't need to buy them at all. Yeah. Okay. Done. And it's like, and everyone is like, screw it, loot boxes. And it's like, if you just get informed, like, there's so many, there's a lot less you're going to be angry about if you just get informed about some things, you know? So, just stay informed. So, last last episode of Frame Trap, we were talking about loot boxes. Mm. And I think the perspective that I was coming from is I didn't, I didn't, I actually didn't know. I was uninformed at how... Uh, insidious or not insidious the loot boxes were in shadow of war but i the the way that the internet took it up they're like yeah. you you have to pay to get the ending or just like these these quick hot takes yeah. on things where i just thought the idea of me like typing into google like what's going like do i need to pay for like we've, we've just reached that point yeah. i think where such a question is feasible yeah and we've had probably examples that are much, much, much worse than that, that I think so many people are choosing to, and I'm not saying that this is right, I'm trying to understand what's happening. They're choosing to not do the research, they're choosing not to, Mm -hmm. because it just, it it feels so like, yes, of course this could happen, that they're ready to buy into it, which is a problem. It is a problem, and and having to do the research is ridiculous. Like, let me just play the video game. Sure, I think think that's a fair comment, man. So it's like Middle middle Earth, you know, you don't need them, so it's not going to bother me. Fine. Right. What bothers me more is like Assassin's Creed or even Mortal Kombat, where it's just like, yo, pay $3 and like unlock stuff. Mm. Or like pay two bucks, find all the secrets. That stuff gets me way more peeved <laughs> than, than certain elements of loot box, you know, because... It's so easy to generalize it all. Microtransactions, loot boxes, bad. They suck. Get them out of here. Right. Right. Whereas, like, some games do it way worse than others. So I'm not going to condemn something immediately for it having these things. It's it's case to case. I I think you're... I think you... Everything you're saying, I totally agree with. But as you you just described, that you're like, hey, there's this really big, in-depth... Polygon article, which mm-hmm. I admittedly have not read myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this big in-depth polygon that explains everything you need to know. It's like yeah. it is crazy that I have to read it some like dissertation that I have to I read this and be like, okay, I now I know what's up. <laughs> yeah. Now I know totally where where this game stands. I, pro- I wouldn't have read that, but then I heard everyone's like right. freaking out. I'm like, right. what? Okay, what is going on here? <laughs> like, let me... I think it, it's just created a weird environment. <laughs> yeah, it's created a weird totally. environment. Uh, totally. Brendan, do you? You, as somebody who reviewed Shadow of War, yeah. are, is is are we? Is the world making too big of a deal of this? Is it just like not as bad as it seems? Well, there's just not an absolute truth with a lot of these things. Yeah. Like I think there's some things we can agree on, like bad frame rates, Damiano with poor hit detection. Like there's some things in games that just kind of like upset us all the time. Yeah. Um. But like, uh, I, I just don't think it's hard when you approach a, an issue like this and you're like, hey, I think loot boxes are bad. Period. It's like that's that's a little short-sighted i think like there there are ways to do that there are games that have loot boxes that no one's complaining about you know like there there i think there's a lot of different steps to like how you advertise it like you were saying how you explain it how upfront you are about it um 
how, uh, you know, and I think that's like specifically with loot boxes, that's like one of the big issues is that like publishers are scared to talk about it. You know, they're just like, oh, we'll just leave it in there and then not talk about it. And it's like, you need to. Clearly, there's a a, a, a rising uh, a fire in the in this industry, in this community yeah. with people that are upset about this done wrong. And if you don't say how it's done, they're going to assume you're doing it the, the, the worst way. Right. Um, so if people make assumptions like that, that's fine. I think uh, that's. I think that's if it's not toxic. I think that's a safe thing to 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 have in this industry because it uh, uh, makes publishers aware of of things that steps they can take to make their games uh, more satisfying for their uh, fan base. But at the same time, just yeah, making those like blanket statements, you know, just kind of being like, yeah, this is bad and is bad in every example is bad yeah. in this game, bad all the time. Um, yeah, I oh. doesn't ring true with me. I think those are both uh, pretty level-headed perspectives. Uh, I do think in some ways. Like, the, especially, and I know they just announced that they're making changes, uh, but it's crazy to me that we even have to have this conversation. I know. That, that, like, that we, like, I remember Blood like saying... Evil, dude, I'm sorry to cut you off, dude. It's okay. Evil Within 2, man? Yeah. You just pop it in? Yep. You don't have to worry about a damn thing, That's ben. so true. You just put in the game, and you get to play it. You know what else happens with that? <laughs> Mario Odyssey. Mario Odyssey. I remember Blood. I remember Blood saying in Slack <laughs> that he just like got done finish. He just finished writing three paragraphs of like explanation and analysis on like the microtransactions in his Forza Seven review. That's a lot, and he's just doing his job. Yeah. But right. like, I think you have to take a look at that and like whether you, whatever side of the fence you fall on, when you're like, I'm okay with this or not okay with this, it's like. Isn't it a little bit excessive that we're having this conversation at all and then it has to get so elaborate and so detailed mm. just to, to figure out if we want to play a game or how to feel about a game? It just I, seems a little weird. I think it's just showing, you know, to bring it back around to the initial topic that spawned this conversation, yeah, just the, 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 the concept of marketing and, like, you know, can we get to, uh, can, can we formulate our opinions to, you know, um, uh, too much before we play a game and before we actually, you know, deliver the opinion that matters, which is based on our experience with something. But like, I'll give an example like Life is Strange. So Life is Strange gets a sequel, different team, uh, a prequel. So we're like, whoa, we don't know where this story's going. Question number one, do we have time travel powers? You know, and like imagine somebody from, I want to say Don't Nod, but it's not Don't Nod. I don't know the, remember the name of the team that did uh, 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 Before the Storm. But imagine that team going into those interviews not prepared to answer that question. Right. You know, kind of going in, people be like, can I time travel? I'm like, no. And like, oh, why? Well, I expected to. And just like, well, we don't like that mechanic. And you're like, uh, oh. And then imagine this article that people write now where they're just like, this, this developer seems kind of out of touch or weird or whatever. You know, I'm nervous about this or maybe they haven't announced something yet. So it's, I think something and it's scary and I, I admit that this industry can can complain about some really weird stuff that you weren't expecting but um, I, I think if you're especially a triple A publisher if you're going to make big games like Call of Duty or Destiny or Battlefront um, you need to um, be aware of those issues that people are going to have and get ahead of them you know like and, and try to address that stuff beforehand and it's Tricky because you're you're essentially addressing a potential negative for your game, which I think is a huge no-no with these big companies. And I'm hopefully seeing in this age of you know growing and growing social media that a, a more of an acceptance to kind of make fun of themselves and realize mm -hmm. like okay, we can we can make light of these things because we've made this mistake in the past, or we know you're probably going to assume that this thing we're doing is going to work out this way. Um, but what if it's just all smiles and sunshine rainbows the whole time, sure. and it, you're leaving it up to your fan base or journalists to kind of find the holes there and be like wait a minute as, as opposed to com starting that narrative yourself right i think it's the yeah the era that we're in you got to start doing it okay well 
thank you guys. Like I said, I thought that was a very level-headed approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, not too, not too snappy one way or the other. So I like. I gotta, I, I gotta finish things. the retro today. I gotta get the podcast up, and all I want to do, thanks to you, is play Evil Within Two. There's a lot, Huber. Yes. It's Halloween's. You'll play it at night a little bit? Oh, I'm playing the hell out of that game cool. today, yeah. Good, 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 good. Uh, time for emails. <laughs> if they don't get the Souls Retro Part 3 today on the day of Halloween, they'll know what I did with my yeah. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> You'll know. Here's what's up. Uh, our first email comes in from Patrick. He says, hey, allies. I'm a longtime Nintendo fan, but I have a gripe about the current status of the 3DS. Nintendo's still making games for it, even after the Switch has been released. I'm not talking about a cross gener not tra- t- I'm not talking about cross generation games like Fire Emblem Warriors, which are released on both. No, I'm talking about the fact that Nintendo seems to want the 3DS to exist alongside the Switch and for each of them to have their own separate games. The release of the 2DS XL seems to cement that Nintendo doesn't want the 3DS to die anytime soon, even though it was released in 2011. My question is why is this? Isn't the whole point of the Switch that Nintendo's mobile and console development teams will be merging? Then instead of getting some games designed for a home console and others designed for a mobile console, we'll be getting all the games on one system. Imagine if every game available on the 3DS was on the Wii U as well. It's possible the console wouldn't have failed if that were the case. So why does Nintendo insist on releasing games such as Metroid, Samus Returns, and Pokemon Ultra Sun and Moon on the 3DS instead? Love to know your feelings, Patrick. Is it cheaper to develop on 3DS than Switch? That's my first question. It's cheaper not to rock the boat, I would imagine. It's yeah. easier, you know, to kind of like yeah. stay the course than uh, ask a, a Professor Layton or you know a Phoenix Wright or um, these like three the games we've come to know in the three DS. Be like, it's time, time to you know uh, upgrade. Um, it kind of feels like sports games in a new gen, you mm-hmm. know, almost where like it takes two or three years. But yeah. like, there we go. Yeah. And, I, and I, I think Nintendo's just avoiding it entirely. They're just like, no, we really want you to. Um, to, to maximize that. And, it's, and and I can totally see Nintendo being stuck in the rut kind of a little bit with their ideology because I know it might seem, and it did to me, and it is surprising how much they're supporting the 3DS just personally, um, to, you know, you've got a handheld. you got your system that's both. You don't need this 3DS. But it's like every Nintendo handheld ever since the Game Boy has coexisted with whatever home console was right. released at the same time. So, like, this is the way they operate. They're just doing what they did before. I'm surprised they're still doing it. Um, given how much radical changes I've seen in Nintendo this year that I've, I've been very impressed with. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think they're just uh, old habits. See, to me, it makes total sense. Like, absolute mm. and complete sense because you have so many people that have a 3DS. And yeah. you have a lot of people out there that, that that are in love with the Switch or have got the Switch and are excited about it and haven't had a Nintendo console for a while and want stuff on Switch. But I feel like you're getting so many things on Switch. I think this has been a strong year for the Switch. But when you have a market that is so big as the 3DS and you have a lot of people who are not going to get rid of their 3DSs, they will still have a Switch... Why not, as a business, especially early on, especially when you're thinking sure, out, wow. like, before release, like, all right, let's hedge our bets here. Let's keep supporting this platform that we know is a sure hit while we also try to build up this thing that we're not sure is a sure hit. Um, and, like, right, like as a business, if you have something that's doing well, why wouldn't you let that do well right. for absolutely <laughs> yeah, as yeah, long yeah. as possible? Yeah. And um, uh, I feel like if a handheld came out now, too, it would be stepping on the Switch's toes. So you got to ride 3DS a couple more years while Switch gets established, you know? You don't want to, all of a sudden, next year, E3 rolls around, hey, new Nintendo handheld! It's like, well, I have my Switch. Like, what, now I need to buy this thing for two, 300 bucks? What's, what's going on here? And <laughs> I, I know not everyone feels this way, but uh, to me, 
the way that it is working is I will play a game on Switch that I'll really like. I'll play a game that I enjoy on 3DS a lot. And I'm not constantly going like, oh man, I wish this was on a Switch. Like maybe that would be cool. It'd be fine. But it doesn't make that game like less good. I'm, st- I'm still, the games that I'm enjoying on 3DS, I'm still enjoying, and I also have Switch. I don't think it has to be an either-or situation all the time. Um, that's just my take on it. I don't know. But Ebert- I, I don't want a new Animal Crossing on 3DS, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. like, I want that game on Switch. Switch. So I, I think it is depending on certain franchises. Franchises that you know are very well accustomed every single time it comes out, it's on their, but, on their handheld. Like the example that he brought up, the two examples he brought up. So he brought Pro, uh, Pokemon Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, and he yeah. brought up Metroid Samus Returns. I would maybe feel what you're describing a little bit more acutely if it wasn't like, no, we're, they announced the new Metroid and Pokemon on Switch. Like, it's coming. Yep. And so I think, to me, it's like, all right, I'll enjoy what we've got now and enjoy the, that Switch yeah. stuff later. Yeah. So. I like it. Uh, Huber, I know you are not traditionally a fan mm-hmm. of handhelds. Are you? Where are you kind of with this whole argument? Oh, I mean, I haven't used my 3DS. And who knows how long. But you I, don't miss it. I don't miss You're it. You're good to go. Yeah. Okay. 3D Land, again, was the last handheld... Or, 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 uh, Link Between Worlds was after that? Yeah, Link Between Worlds. Link Between Worlds and 3D Land, the best in the biz, haven't really uh, needed a reason to go back to to 3DS. Yeah. Well, I tried to get through Bravely Default, but I only got like 10 hours in and then mm. stopped. Yeah. But I like that game. Yeah. I really like Bravely Default, too. I need to yeah, play... second. Oh. Yeah, I know. Yep. Oh, yep. That's on my backlog. Yep. It's about... <laughs> Our next email comes in from Aaron. He says, Rally Ho, allies. I like that. Listening to the loot box debate on Frame Trap number 40, the last episode, the general conclusion amounted to how loot box will only moderate or be removed as a reaction to either less sales of the games in question or as a result of public outcry. So either that, like they'll make changes if it sells less or if people make enough of a sink about it. I was thinking about the latter, the public outcry, and why that works. My conclusion was that social status is a significant part of this industry. While publishers certainly care about their bottom line, you get the impression that publishers and manufacturers also care about how they are perceived in relation to each other. This obviously differs to substantial degrees. (laughs) Konami doesn't seem to care about what anyone thinks about anything, but in my chosen case study, Electronic Arts seems to struggle between their desire for maximum profitability while also being important and relevant leaders in the industry. A logo that flashes before the mind's eye when the public think video games. We can see this in Battlefront 2, where they take pride in how the game is supposedly improved, taking on board criticisms of the original, but where they still need feel the need to build the game's progression around loot boxes. Likewise, they got strangely and loudly defensive over being voted the worst company to work for. Or Wasn't it the worst company in America? I think so, yeah. I don't think uh, it was worked for. Over multiple years in a row, releasing public statements that serve only to show the sting they felt. This affects the manufacturers as well, perhaps even to a greater extent. Recently, we hear that Microsoft are committing resources to fixing the Master Chief Collection and add X- Xbox One X features. There's no effect. There's effectively no profit in this, and serves mostly as a PR win, trying to garner public faith and esteem, and thus improving their social status within the industry. I'm wondering about the panel's thoughts on the concept of social status in the industry. Is it a meaningful thing to target in order to seek change? Uh, what publishers and manufacturers do you think care the most about social status? Hmm. I don't. I can't speak for them. You know. I mean. Oh yeah, just behavior though. Like EA, I, I think would top that list. Yeah. E- e- EA to me seems to do the most posturing. 
Mm. And that's mm. one of my least favorite things that anybody does. And it's hard. It's hard to sell. It's hard to um, to constantly be on, you know, throughout the year and, and representing yeah. so many different products and so many different gaming communities that if you don't play these games, you aren't really that familiar with them. But EA carries themselves in a way where they're just like... E- EA cares. They just they seem like they're pretending. It just seems like it's sure. it's an act. Like I'm not actually getting. Mm-hmm. Um, when you see like uh, uh, the um, oh I don't remember his name, but from CD Project when he came out uh, with, to show Gwent yeah. Yeah. at the Xbox press conference, it was like yeah, and, like yeah. jumped out on stage. Like that's what we live for right there. Yeah. And it doesn't mean everybody can do it. it. It doesn't mean like everyone needs to jump up and down and flare their arms, but, but like Rabbids. they need to be themselves. You know, they need to like express. Yeah, like to have them. Uh, you know, to see. Um, Michelle and Saul like shed a tear after they announced Beyond Good and Evil 2 finally you know yeah. it's like yes that that's where we go that's what that's the where we need to be moving into and so I think uh, again I'm just fascinated with how social media is changing this industry and I think what we need to evolve into is not having not watching uh, publishers representing themselves the way they want to be seen but representing themselves because of who they are you just made me think about like John Boyega pumping up Battlefront 2 <laughs> Like, is a perfect example in contrast to, like, actual creators on that Ubisoft stage showing emotion. Like, right. yeah. Yeah. Or, or like, when EA does that, it's like, all right, here's the indie section where you're going to get that. Like, it just feels so forced. Like, I haven't agreed with everything Blizzard has done lately, but mm-hmm. I get the sense that they care about their fans. Yeah. You know, like, the, I feel... But there's no EA con. The truth you know, and like- the love <laughs> from Blizzard. I don't I know even... They- Sorry. No, I was just saying I know they have loot boxes and, you know, monthly subscriptions for WoW and stuff, but I still get the love from them. I don't even play that much Overwatch, and I watch the developer updates from Jeff Kaplan because, yeah. like, they're just so <laughs> yeah. good. They're yeah. so good. I, I have no sense that that dude is, is faking it. Yeah. Like, I feel like he's just trying to do right by yeah. this community. I really feel that. Yep. Uh, anyway... But to kind of circle back around on the actual question, do do you think they care a lot about the way that they're perceived? I think Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo probably care the most because they're the ones in the the battle, the the console war. I think out of those right now, know? Microsoft probably cares the most. Yeah. Like Microsoft really, really cares. Going going back to the Xbox One, uh, the Xbox One first xbox uh to do backwards compatibility like does not seem like a super savvy sexy business play that is to make fans happy like mm-hmm. that, that that is a okay we'll, we'll be doing this but we're going to put that in the category of you're welcome <laughs> you know, like, right. and so i think I, I see microsoft making plays a lot more as opposed to when the xbox one first launched and kind of their attitude about stuff that they were doing in the wake of so many projects scale bound you know crackdown two taking forever or three taking forever you know a lot of these updates on stuff um you know phantom dust or whatever. there's just a lot of titles that didn't happen on xbox and so i think it's smart for them to counter that with we're gonna do things specifically for our fan base that like we can't really make a trailer about this it's just Mm -hmm. a policy change or a gift but how much of that is a reaction to them not doing as well this generation compared to last generation right but Uh, the the question that i was going to ask is is it inevitable when you reach a certain level of success as a company to overstep your bounds to take that goodwill mm-hmm. for granted yeah like and it you know is that what microsoft did is that what ea has done at different points like is do you think in this age where there's more direct line of communication is are we more effective at letting them know when they're overstepping that bound yes 
uh, a lot of times too much. Like there's always <laughs> going to be a very sharp edge to that criticism. Yeah. Uh, and it's frustrating that there's so little people in our position can do about that. You know, we're like, it's, it's tough. It's ner- I get nervous to comment on something with a very like, you know, kind of vanilla opinion, just kind of middle of the road, like, Oh, this is my safe bet. But knowing that there's so much, you know, uh, anger there that, uh, I could possibly kind of get washed up in and people be like, Oh, he's as angry as everyone else. Like, no, I'm not, you know, um, uh, don't assume I'm coming from that perspective. Um, but yeah, it's crazy that, uh, somebody can just retweet you or you can get, uh, a developer of note that's made games you've loved for 30 years on a rant on Twitter, <laughs> you know, going off. Um, and, uh, uh, so I think it's it's an educational process, and it's frustrating that um, or unfortunate that we were, social media happened so fast that we didn't have time to kind of like grow up and 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 understand like how we could use it and and the positive aspects of it. Um, we're all just kind of like we all we all got the spotlight put on us, and and we're all reacting differently. So the world is ending. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's coming. It's it's building to something for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, our last question. Of the day. If there's anything else you guys want to say, um, I know there's a lot to dig into there. No, I love that topic. I could talk about that forever. I love it. All right. Our last question of the day, wrapping up the show, is from Brandon. You know, I always got to give uh, credit to Brandon. I mean this with absolute sincerity. He's always throwing his hat in the ring for Frame Trap. Doesn't always get picked. Every ring. Doesn't always get picked. But like. Cover Jones? <laughs> I think persistence <laughs> is one of the best qualities a human being can have, and I like it. I like it. He's and he's always he's always coming at it from different angles. It's not like the same question over over again. He's really giving it uh, a different shake. And yeah, so good on you, Brandon. Seriously. Hello, everyone. Well, this year has been different with the avalanche of games being near constant as opposed to seasonal. I've been wondering what games have you all played this year that were disappointments for you. Or games you believe no one is giving a shot and is subsequently being overshadowed by everything else. You know what game I love right now? That people- oh, wait. I have a really, really good one first, and then like a Swimming in Sevens one. Okay. Both both these games are overlooked, in my opinion. Okay. First one, SteamWorld freaking Dig 2. Yeah. God, it's good! <laughs> God! So good. It's pretty pretty dynamite. Play SteamWorld Dig 2. Yeah. Just play it. You can play that game for 10 minutes or 3 hours. It, like it's just pick it up, play it. I promise. <laughs> I promise. You're not wrong. Yeah. Okay. You're not wrong. Next up, Ruiner. Oh, like this I game. forgot about Ruiner. I really like this game. It's got some it's rough around the edges a little bit. Oh, we got to get you to talk about but Ruiner next time. It's got a really cool vibe, really nice aesthetic, and I like the combat. It's isometric top down, but you have a melee, well, uh, you have a melee and a ranged. So it's all about kind of dashing around, mm-hmm. getting some melee hits in, back like backing away, shooting. Really cool flow. I like it. I like the game. Swimming in sevens. <laughs> Swimming in sevens. Great seven. Um Two games that I think are being overlooked. Uh, we just talked about 3DS games, um, and I think this is my own fault. I haven't like been able to get stuff out that I wanted to for these games. But uh, Etrian Odyssey Five mm-hmm. and Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter Stories. I almost said Monster Hunter World. Monster Hunter World's coming. <laughs> Monster Hunter Stories. I think are both, uh, yeah, really, really, really strong. Um, Brandon, I got nothing. You got nothing? Yeah, because I think a lot of my uh, 
games that I've been playing on the side are all either getting good recognition or something like Fortnite, where it's I was going to say, like, I want to give you credit for my own, Fortnite. It's my own jam, you know? It's like, yeah. well, but you every... You were on Fortnite before Battle Royale? But it's but it, I'm not playing Battle Royale. But know? that's the thing. <laughs> it's it's like, like, you were all This game is it? trending for reasons that I'm not <laughs> currently enjoying it. You know uh, what game really disappointed me um, that I was super excited for? I played it at, at a little Nintendo indie event, and then... Uh, Played a little bit more of it and just got completely bored, just completely tuned out. Blaster Master Zero did not oh, like what arms I, too. What man. I would, yeah, I would say arms definitely as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good one to bring. The thing is though, with Blaster Master Zero, I was just like, I'm not into this. Arms is a little bit more conflicting. Where I'm so into it, it's just certain things frustrate me about that experience. So it's a little bit different, but yeah, yeah. Yours too good. I got a boring answer, Brandon. Sorry. I, I mean, really, it, I, I can't. I can't think of either example. You know, I didn't something. have it immediately. You know, it took yeah. me. It took me a second to really. It's, it's a tough thing in 2017 to be like, you should be playing this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, play whatever you can. Right. Right. Like play what just, you can. Just jump in the ocean. Yeah. yeah. You'll run into if, something. If there's a new release shelf yeah. in your gaming store, you can just take a you know, right. You know, throw throw a rock at it, and whatever it <laughs> knocks off the shelf, you're probably set. Are you looking for anything particular today? You pick. Yeah. yeah. You pick. <laughs> Dealer's you choice. Pick. You pick. Um, all right. So, are there any other disappointments? You didn't. I don't think you said any disappointments. I don't have any disappointments. Um, I've been keeping a running tally of all the games I've finished this year. Mm, nice. Um, for whatever reason, again, because I I just have to finish games that I start. I finished. Beat. I beat this game in 2017. Sniper Ghost oh, Warrior yeah. Three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that game seems fine. I just forgot. It's like a five or a six. Okay. Yeah. Not, less fine. Less fine. Less fine. <laughs> yeah, don't play it. Really. Okay. But uh, that was maybe like one of the the less lesser games that I've played this year. But like, I don't know if I've been disappointed. You know yeah. what game we didn't bring up? Knack 2. Knack 2 was not a disappointment. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Bad expectations. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think that's going to be a frame trap. And it's going to be a frame trap. Uh, thank you, Michael Huber, Brandon Jones, uh, for your opinions. I, I really liked a lot of your opinions today. I thought I thought you really put some effort forward. Thank you for talking about the games. Uh, a lot of good stuff on here. I can imagine in future episodes, a lot of this stuff will spring back up. Thank you, audience, for your uh, understanding with the delays and all that stuff. Um, I look forward to doing this. About, man, I really like shooting these. These is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a yeah. lot of fun. Especially you would like right to? Now. So many games. I know. Yeah. yeah, I think that's why it's especially fun <laughs> for sure. Um, I saw a comment that I think is like actually pretty good. And fair, fair point is they're like, "Hey, Frame Trip was supposed to be about everything, you know, movies, music, whatever you guys are feeling." And I was like, "Yeah, you're right." And I enjoy that stuff too. It's just, man, we're slammed. Like games will always come yeah. first, and there's a lot of first right now. Yeah. So we'll we'll get back there. We'll get no there eventually. No real uh, movies or games right now, really. I mean, Stranger Things. But I've been yeah, so I think bad we're about all chipping away at it. I haven't even started. I want to? I've seen a lot of dumb horror movies. This nice. I, saw, I watched the entire Saw franchise. So <laughs> which I had like not. I had not seen any of Maniac. it. I knew the. I knew the, the twist at the end of one. I knew yeah. like like the, 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 the major point. Yeah. Uh, and I like. So I was like, all right, let me watch the first Saw. And then I'm like, is Saw two on Netflix? And like, they're all on Netflix. And I was like, oh, <laughs> here I go. Dear. So yeah, just kind of like half watching, half working. You know, just yes. like having it on in the background. It's a good. So. Saw's a good half watch. A lot of yep. times. Yep. yep. All right. 
if you would like to sponsor the show, please go to patreon.com slash easy eyes. That's where you can find the most information about us and how to support us and how to sponsor the show if you're into it and there is something you would like us to represent. Thank you all so much for watching and we will see you next time. <laughs>